tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Morning, welcome along to Tip Today, eighteen hundred nine three eight double zero seven. It's uh, Friday, the thirteenth of uh, October and I hope we find you very well indeed. Uh, coming up on the show this morning, uh, Johnny Luby's weekly ramblings. We have the latest on the Tina Satchel case. Why young people are now using social media to buy cocaine. Thousands of health workers in the community and voluntary sectors set to strike next week. RTE has uh, been told it's not a two-way street with the Public Accounts uh, Committee. I'm just speaking to uh, Deputy Alan Kelly about that a little later on. Of course, our Friday panel will unpack the big topics of the week, uh, including uh, what's been happening in Israel and Gaza, driver behaviour and raising the age of the guard of equipment to 50 as well. So all of that and much, much more on the way. Uh, you can text on WhatsApp 83 There's a good reason to do so as well because we have a €100 Euro voucher to give away for Mr. Mr. Menswear because they kicked off their clearance sale at Kilcorn Lodge Hotel in care yesterday and that runs right through until Sunday and all sorts of bargains there on uh, blazers and jackets and coats and jeans, knitwear, polos, t-shirts, all of that kind of thing. So we have that 100 euro voucher to give away. It's based on your interaction with us by text and WhatsApp. And if you put Mr. Mr. at the end of your contribution, we will pop you in the draw. Of course, you can email as well. That's tip today at tipfm.com. Let's have a look at what's making headlines today. The Irish Daily Mail and their banner headline, six months to save RTE. And they're telling us that RTE can only survive for a few more months without a bailout from the government. And that's according to the Director General, Kevin Backhurst, and uh, the Irish Independent. A body found behind wall under stairs in missing Tina's home. Now, we'll have an update on this um, later on as well. But uh, Gardaí investigating the uh, murder of Tina Satchwell have uh, found skeletal remains in a walled-up area underneath the stairway during uh, excavations there. The Irish uh, examiner, again, leading with that story that I mentioned there, skeletal remains found in the search for missing Tina. Also on the examiner today, the UN's uh, World Food Programme has called the situation in the Gaza Strip dire and warned that crucial supplies are running dangerously low after Israel imposed a total uh, blockade there. And also that story uh, that the age limit uh, to become a Garda is to increase from 35 to 50 under changes to be revealed by the Justice Minister and uh, the Irish Times and it's dominated by a photograph um, from that funeral in Israel yesterday of 22-year-old Kim Dante. And uh, you can see from the photographs the family just uh, des- uh, devastated and more than 1,000 people came to the cemetery in central Israel uh, to pay their last respects to uh, Kim, uh, the Israeli-Irish woman, of course, who was killed 
in the Hamas uh, terror attack on a Saturday morning. So that's a quick look at what's making headlines in your papers today. Do you want to make comments on any of that? If you do, again, 083-311-3311. He's back in the fourpenny road from Portugal. Johnny Luby is with me. Good morning to you, Johnny. Good morning, friend. And with the weather we're getting, I'm half thinking, I'm half thinking of belting out there again. It is unreal, isn't it? Oh, I feel, listen. Yeah. Friend, first things first, where are you playing at the weekend? Um, <laughs> See, is there any bit of joy at all in this country at the moment? There's, there's not much joy at all. I'm all over the place. I'm down in Cork and nowhere local, I'm afraid, Johnny. So, yeah. You know, I'm still recovering. But do you know what? Out in Anacarty, we're all like like wasps out there because we looked out this morning, torrential rain everywhere, and we went to have a shower and our water was off. <laughs> Oh, Lord. <laughs> Thanks, Johnny. Thank you for your support there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Jesus, friend, listening to the... You know, I went to uh, Treble last night in Sir Rollins. Mm. Uh, around 6 o'clock to pick up. There was a few euro left in there for the final day of the South Tip Hospice and that. And a couple of lads there, they just said, turn off the news. You couldn't be... Friend, it's hard to watch the news now. Yeah, it's difficult. Uh, you know what? Yeah turmoil all over the place. I mean, you see what's happening out in Israel. It is unbelievable that the world can sit back and watch. Yeah. Uh, and that I don't even know what the answer is. But then you you come across then the murders in Ireland. Mm. And mother of God, above tonight, uh, it is unbelievable. People would say to me, oh, you give too long talking about sport. Mm. But, you know, without sport, friend, we would certainly be in turmoil ourselves. I mean, it's something point, to look yeah. You know, yeah, it's something yeah. to look forward to and it takes things off of your mind and that. And you hate seeing pictures of small children and oh, they standing up against the wall crying and everything else. You know, yeah, Mary, yeah. Was the president just even she was the former president, she was hardly able to talk. There was yeah. a, a lump in her throat when she was talking about what was going on in Israel. You know, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's just, just just dreadful. Uh, one one of the pictures that really hit me was a, li- a little girl. She was being pulled out uh, from under her body was being pulled out from underneath the the, the rubble. And that father speaking um, yesterday that he was glad that his eight year old was dead because the consequences of her being alive and how she'd be treated uh, when she was abducted. Yeah, I mean it's just heartbreaking, uh, you know, isn't it? Unbelievable, friend. But anyway, anyway, talk talk to us about sport, Johnny, and cheer us up a little bit. Do you want to look back at last weekend first of all with the, the yeah, friend? We're <laughs> Is it in Portugal you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> when did you get back, by the way? Uh, I got back on uh, Tuesday night around ten o'clock. I pulled over the. I pulled over the. Uh, well, the first thing I'd done before I went to bed was I put on a long sleeve vest and a long johns. <laughs> and mother of God, a friend pulled up the blind on Wednesday morning and the rain was teeming down. Unbelievable. I just said to Carson, I said, Mother of God, is there, look up that Google thing. I said, is there a flight back to Portugal again? I said, I just can't stand the oh, pressure yeah, of all of this. Yeah, yeah. You know, you couldn't even cut the bloody lawns or whatever you have to do or do any kind of small uh, jobs here and there. It's impossible with the, with the weather we're getting. But I think this is supposed to be good for three or four days, you know. And yeah, On the sporting front, friend, I suppose... Uh, where would one start? Would we start here in Tipperary? Like, I mean, it's county final weekend in a, in lots of grades. And fair play to the county board to say that they have the county final going on and tell us that I think it's around half three or four o'clock on Sunday that's been broadcast on Tip FM. And mm. you've told us Southfield's taken on Kildang and certainly a mouth-watering clash. And the two of them would have been in the top five or six to get to a county final at the uh, in the middle of October at the start of the year. Myself, I fancy 
Kelly uh, told us Southfields. I don't know why, because uh, Kildangan is certainly a team that's coming good. Uh, I suppose Southfields, uh, they both have household names on the Tipperary holding circuit, so it's going to be an intriguing encounter. There will not be very much between them, and Kildangan, I think, they played their fourth or fifth final in about six years, and that's tremendous going. You know, they played already in the league, but Ronan Maher wasn't uh, available that day, and he's a huge stumbling block for Kildangan uh, in the half-back line. He commands a huge presence, and he's playing better now than ever, and they have many more top-class players as well, so uh, prior to that, of course, when we have the intermediate uh, county final between ourselves, Golden Kildvigel, and our neighbours just only one or two parishes dividing us, that's Borla and Duala. We've played each other on many occasions. Borla and Duala are certainly the favourites with the bookmakers, not with myself, but and with many other people out there. I asked a couple of people yesterday evening that wouldn't have any association with the two parishes, but would be very much involved in holding in Tipperary. Mm. And they Three of them actually said that they fancy Borla, and you know that they've been there or thereabouts. Golden, I suppose, have been uh, an amazing club and an amazing team this year. I mean, we were in a kind of a relegation battle until we beat Bellingarry in the Torden final game over in New Inn. And we only beat them by a pint or two, but Kappa White had won the same day and by seven or eight pints. And I think from what I gather that might have got us through but our lads then have uh, improved a ton then with the uh, Drummond Inch game and with the uh, Kilsheelan game and we possibly can't read too much into the Kilsheelan game because one of their top class players got the red card maybe but Golden in my book were possibly on top at that stage uh, one never knows but mm. uh, well, look we're in a county final now and it's just great uh, excitement around the place and uh, in the shops and pubs post office and butcher stall Is that in Semple Stadium Johnny? That's in Semple Stadium and that's the match before the senior game so if you want to go along and see a good uh, game of hurling uh, you will certainly see it. A lot of the players would know each other well because they were on the Hearty Cup panel of the casual community team that uh, uh, won the Hearty Cup for the first time ever and uh, you have maybe had six or seven from Borlehan on the panel or extended panel and like Likewise, from Gordon Kilpeak, who possibly had nine or ten. Mm. I think Tullus Semple Stadium will suit the Golden Kilpeak by his this done in my own opinion. And uh, whilst Golden had the outsiders, uh, I fancy Golden Kilpeak, not heart, but my head says Golden Kilpeak, so I'm going to go with that. Mm-hmm. There'll be great celebrations in either parish, and the best of luck to both teams uh, and all the teams taking part. Uh, that is on Sunday, but on Saturday then, friend, we have the uh, the second tier group in Tipperary when we have Laura Dora taking on the might of Tullus Southfield's second team. Mm. Laura Dora won last weekend against Cashel King Cormacks and Cashel King Cormacks for the second time this year in my book certainly didn't perform to their true ability. Uh, the match had been postponed due to the untimely death of uh, Timmy Maloney yes. and uh, that so uh, Cashel went up but just didn't perform. They done the very same thing in the West Final in Golden in my book against Clonolty in the senior hurling final. They didn't perform on the evening for whatever reason they have household names they have fine players but mm. uh, after a quarter of an hour Laura were leading three goals and six pints to a pint so it was going to be very hard to come back from that I fancy Laura in that second uh, in on Saturday in that encounter and then of course tomorrow please God I'm thinking of clearing up to a, a great old parish of mine uh, uh, Kilcommon to see uh, Clonolty Ross Moore Junior A's taken on Belton Hinch Belton Hinch have come down from intermediate to Junior A so they would be the, maybe the favourites but Clonolty Ross Moore are 
they've a good batch of players there. Uh, they're well experienced. A lot of them have played senior hurling, and I think Clonorty Ross Moore. Myself, they are the outsiders, but I think they will uh, emerge victorious. So I'm kind of going for two favourites and two outsiders in those four games. And then, friend, of course, whilst we had them four finals and they're fighting for silverware, at the other end of the of the the day we have other games, we have uh, J.K. Brackens taking on Upper Church. They played each other, uh, interestingly, last Sunday in the county semi-final of the senior football. And here they are this weekend playing in a relegation battle, one to stay up in senior hurling and the other to come down into the premier intermediate. Uh, it's going to be a huge game for both clubs. You have the Brackens uh, and Upper Church. I suppose only a couple of years ago, Upper Church were in county finals and uh, playing brilliantly. And this year, for one reason, or another maybe they were in a tough enough group yeah. but uh, it's, it's going to be a great game and that goes on in uh, in the uh, rag in the rag yeah. that's right mm-hmm. that goes on good man friend there you are no, uh, that goes on in the rag there'll be a huge crowd there because Tipperary people are mad for the game of hurling you know and that and uh, then I suppose last weekend uh, Frank just to finish the GA scene in the football uh, Clamell Commercials beat uh, Mile Rovers by four points Mile then I'm always saying that derby games take a law unto themselves and whilst on paper commercials would have been fancy to win 9 or 10 pints to buy some mile rovers who look to be in trouble early on in this campaign as regards relegation. They got themselves, got their act together and they're only beaten by 4 pints and uh, uh, they're in the final now so that's going to be a, a, a great one next weekend as well and then of course you have relegation battles going on in the football but as regards the mm-hmm. holding they've, they've, they've certainly got it right that the, all the finals are on this weekend uh, and that needs brilliant for uh, uh, holding in Tipperary I suppose yeah, friend. Then, of course, where the Camogie as well. You have uh, the old the two old stages uh, uh, taking each other on again in a couple of, in a week or a couple of weeks' time. You have Clonorty Ross Moore taking on uh, the Drummond Inch in the county Camogie final. So there'll there'll be uh, a great interest in that as well because uh, Camogie has certainly improved a, a ton in Tipperary when you have the likes of the Tullasarsies and the Borosalies and the Borges to Harris and then the Cathia Rogues and the Cashels uh, all out there and uh, the, every one of them even go to the likes of New Inn and Golden and they all taken up the mantle with uh, uh, starting off the Camogie so I've no doubt Camogie is going to be hugely strong in Tipperary in the next couple of years uh, now Frank on to that big game tomorrow night mm. uh, Ireland and the All Blacks we have some great encounters I mean I would not be surprised for, uh, I see on paper this morning Ireland are the slight favourites uh, against the All Blacks uh, France are the favourites against uh, the South Africans you have England playing Fiji and you have Wales playing I don't know who they're playing but like you'd actually I don't know about this this is going to be a huge game tomorrow night our forwards will possibly hold their own against the All Blacks whilst we have tremendous backs with Bundy Aki and Johnny Sexton and all of those players the All Blacks have a tremendous back line as well with them Barrett's and all of that uh, it's going to be a great match and I've no doubt friend the pubs and the clubs oh, out there that are showing it hey the places will be mobbed and look it's marvellous for the pubs we'll say they went through tough times they mm. have to get in a people and that in every pub around the county I'd be looking I don't know where I will get it but I'd be looking for a quiet pub <laughs> uh, maybe with four or five good, look, good luck with that tomorrow night <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm one of the ministers that pop out out that and will say that where we'll text in and say, listen, come to our place because we'll only have four or five and after you drive maybe 20 miles you'll discover friend that there was 140 in there but look everybody will be watching they'll be glued into it you know it's a fantastic occasion and that and if Ireland were to win they'll probably be playing somebody from the other side maybe England or Wales in the semi-final and then if they get to the final, then they're going to be playing France or South Africa again in the final. But uh, it's something that really uh, uh, gathers and the imagination. Is it, is it a possibility now for us to win this, Johnny? I mean, you know how much I know about rugby, but I mean, yeah, the excitement is, is, is it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, Mr. Fowler's in charge, and with Mike Cat and John Fogarty from Cashel has a huge influence in the forwards as well. Mm. Uh, and that, and look, they seem to be running a, a tremendous uh, ship out. Uh, they seem to have been gearing themselves for this for the last couple of years. I didn't think that they could last the pace of uh, keeping them. Uh, in tip-top class shape. Some of them are in such form, uh, the likes of Bundy Aki. I mean, he has been outstanding so far this year. Johnny Sexton is, at 38 years of age, controls yeah. lots of things for Ireland. An amazing player. Gibson Park is a fantastic scrum half. And then we have Conor Murray with the huge experience to come on. Peter Mahoney is in the form of his life with Ty Burton in the second row and that and right James Ryan is certainly going to be a loss off the panel but nevertheless uh, they say and of course uh, Mrs O'Shea in Golden I met her this morning at Liam Sullivan she's from the Green in Golden and uh, I said to her you're watching the match tomorrow night she said I'd certainly have to watch my nephew uh, Tyke Furlong ah, wow. uh, uh, playing right. for Ireland so it, it's wonderful you know that for the likes of her now to be able to uh, watch it and uh, that and look he, he, to me watching him on television he's a wonderful player to watch he seems to play with a devil make care attitude mm. and that and when the scrum is set and reset and the referee talks to him they just walk away they seem to have a huge respect for the referees and that or else the referees have gathered a huge respect for uh, mm. for the players as well. You know, they, uh, it's probably an easier enough game. Whilst the rules can be complicated, it's possibly an easier game to referee. We'll just say than the game of hurling, where a referee stands in the middle of the field and he doesn't really know whether the cornerback has turned the ball back to the goalie to drive yes, it out yeah. the field or vice versa, because the ball travels naturally with so much uh, with so well, much. The, the difference in the speed of the game as well, Johnny. I suppose you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it's absolutely huge. You know, but uh, yeah, look, hey, France would be uh, eight o'clock tomorrow evening. Uh, everybody and anybody uh, will be tuned in, you know. There's not a musician in the country that doesn't deeply resent the success of Ireland rugby. (laughs) 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 Because it's been affecting gigs all over the place. Johnny, Johnny, can I mention Cyril Crow? Because I believe he was your postman and he retired this week and they're having a bit of a bash in Sir Rowland's in Thomastown and uh, that's in from Teresa and uh, David and they're looking forward to it. So you know know Cyril, yeah. yeah. Cyril has been a postman for over 40 years, a long, long time. I suppose he was lucky enough he came in at the time of the motorcars. I remember the postman calling here on, on bicycles, and especially around Christmas time when you'd give him a shot of whiskey and then the whole bloody lot. And my father's lot him, used to have to put uh, the postman's bike up on the back of the cab and turn him around to all the houses, you know. But, uh, uh, and that, but Cell has been a wonderful friend not alone a postman but a real friend to many many people in uh, on the area that he uh, delivers yeah. the post you know I've seen him in cases there where people have died and he's so 
uh, good with the uh, family and all of that. You know, he, he's certainly uh, a man before his time and a, a wonderful neighbour and all of that. And I wish him a, a very good and long retirement. We'll just see him tonight in Thrones that goes on there. And of course, you're talking about music and all of that. Uh, Darden Burns, as I mentioned last weekend, he's 40 at birthdays this weekend. He's starting tomorrow evening in two. He's with a bit of music and they're moving on to the bridge house then uh, and they have more music down there. Uh, look, for a young fella, when I call him young at 40, but uh, if there's any, he doesn't want uh, anything just to come and support. Brilliant. And look, there will be a box there for the South Tip Hospice. And fair play to the young fella for doing that. Mm. You know, if they only raise 10 or 20 euro or 30 or whatever the case may be, it's something that the South Tip Hospice hadn't before 5 o'clock tomorrow evening. So if you're going and if you want to join an old euro or 5 euro, it would be appreciated. So the best of luck to uh, Darden Burns as well. And of course, Fran, on Thursday next, uh, we have back on the national hunt scene in uh, Tullus, mm. uh, one of my favourite tracks. I just love Tullus. I don't know the people going in there, the real Tipperary Kilkenny folk down to Earth and from other counties around. And many even get the train down from Dublin uh, to the railway station and get a lift out or walk out. It's only maybe 10 minutes or a quarter an hour uh, and that's a grand brisk walk. And it is a wonderful place to go. Everything is top class there in uh, Tullus. That starts on Tuesday next. And of course, friend, uh, on Saturday, Sunday, this weekend, Tipperary Raceway. I will definitely try and get down, but I don't know as well as what time I'll be able to get down. They have a double event Saturday starting at 4 o'clock and on Sunday starting at 1 o'clock. The National Hot Rods, uh, I think there's two litre hot rods. You have stock rods, lightning rods and ninja cats, cats whatever they are. <laughs> Irish Open Championship, Tipperary Masters, and you have four world champions racing over the weekend. So, if you want to go down to the raceway in Rose Green to have a look at all of this, you'll be more than welcome. Uh, the budget, friend, of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, look, what are you going to do I with all go, the extra money, Johnny? Look, friend, I don't know, but I, whilst I was talking about the I see the cigarettes in my absence went up by 75 cents almost a euro. What, are, what are they now then? Over 16 euro, are they? They're 16, 75, friend. Wow, wow. You know, but look, friend, Mm. I honestly believe it's gone to the stage when they should shove them up, let I smoke away, mm. when they should shove them up the 50 euro packet, get it off of them all together. And if they're going to keep doing this, this is, I think, and I will get on to Matty and Jackie Cale and Alan Kelly, uh, uh, Michael Lowry and... Uh, Jackie Cale. Jackie Kale yeah. and uh, the, the five of the, uh, Martin Brown, yeah, Martin, I will yeah. get on to them, that what's coming from the smokers should be ring-fenced because he's, he's up in the three billion mark. It should be ring-fenced and give the two and a half billion to the children's hospital. There's no point in, 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 in the spending the money elsewhere. Spend it on the health system then and put up the children's it go, hospital. It goes into the it. general coffers, you see. Ah, uh, look, so general yeah. coffers. Listen to this. <laughs> Here's my coffer. Am I a general coffer? Friend, don't be talking to me about that. Nobody seems to know where it goes or how much, but I will be asking when they come canvassing to know where is the tax on the cigarettes going mm. or what's happening with it. I mean, to show up the carbon tax on the night of the budget was an absolute disgrace. And now any TDs, whether they're in government or out of government, can agree with shoving that up at night. That was only to appease or 
keep the Greens uh, on it was, side. It was part of the programme for government with the Greens, yeah. So it's no, you it know, should be no surprise like, to anybody. Yeah. yeah, but to shove it up and, and no wonder, like, they'll tell you then some of them will that are in power, oh, we didn't put up the deals which we said we would. But they put up the carbon tax on it and everybody pays it again, you know. And, mm. and I keep saying, look, the, the people in the transport uh, games, the lorries and all those people out there, they should be getting cheaper fuel because, like, when they deliver at the price that that it is now going up, they just pass it on. And what else can they do? Like the the, the lorries and that they're on different kind of diesel, like the, the tractors and tra- any kind of transport out of that's doing deliveries. They, they should be getting it cheaper, friend, because the cost of living has gone to the bloody roof. But look, the budget at the end of the day, you had a wonderful girl on the other day. I could listen to her forever. She talks since that uh, Frances O'Hanlon. Frances O'Hanlon, yeah, yeah. What a lady, friend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's terrific. She yeah, knows. She's terrific. Yeah. She, of course, she's from down around from Drangan Clunian. Is she? I didn't that, know that. Well, yeah, that's yeah. well, she's in that area. Do you know what I'm going to tell you? What? She convinced me of one thing. There's no, there's no fools down there. <laughs> she's, she's a top class girl uh, to explain things. That's yeah, all we want done is to explain things. And she's brilliant at it, you know. And she said, look, there's something small in it for everybody. But at the end of the day, a budget is a budget when the mm. government will not be losing anything. Yeah. What they're giving out in one thing, they'll give, they'll take back in the other, and that's it. Yeah, well, 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 anyway, they, they were being scolded that they were giving out too much, and that in fact it could hot up inflation even even more. But uh, you know. but your friend, isn't that it? So that's what they are doing. Mm. I mean, at the end of the day, they're, they're putting up everything, and then they have to put up the old age pension and all of that to uh, to make sure that we don't starve. <laughs> but like, do they have to put up things? No, I'm, I'm just thinking know, of you starving uh, out out on the Fourpenny Road in between your trips to Portugal. Yeah, Johnny, we feel really sorry for you indeed. Um, somebody's saying, uh, what about football tonight? We're playing Greece, it says here. Are we? I didn't know that. Are That's we? right, Jeff. Yeah. We're playing Greece. And amazingly, as bad as we're going, <laughs> Greece must be going fair bad as well because uh, uh, we're the favourites to beat Greece tonight. Right. And I, I genuinely was just thinking there of uh, Mr. Kenny that's in charge of yes. the, the thing, that it wouldn't happen in rugby uh, or any sport out there if they were having such a bad run. The first person to go is the, the, the manager. The manager yeah, now, yeah. I'm not saying that he should go, but because between injuries and everything else... Uh, I just think like nobody else wants that bloody job, you see. That's, yeah, that's, that's probably possibly, what it is. You know, yeah. but... Uh, Look, I was reading, a, I think I was telling you that, reading a book there on Jack Charlton mm. when he said that he'd get an audience with the Pope. Imagine, Jack, if Ireland won, and lo and behold, they won. And the Pope just said, uh, who's your goalie? Packy Bonner stood up. He said, the best of luck to you, man. He says, I played junior football for Polinski in the south of Poland or someplace. <laughs> and uh, so that was grand. And next thing was Packy left in a, a real soft goal. And Jack Charlton turned around. He said, "The bloody Pope." He said, "It'd have saved us." <laughs> <laughs> and that's in the book. Oh, that's very but, good. That's uh, very yeah, good. look, he was. I just said it last night. or just evening for Rollins when they were putting on the sport, and I was said, "Jesus, what Jack Charlton, so man, you know." I mean, the plane comes into Dublin after they've been beaten. Ah, sure there's hundreds of thousands of people. Sure, no, he, he lifted you know, the, the whole country. I have to. Go, I have to go, Johnny. But what are you making uh, of uh, the notion now that uh, the age limit to join the Gardaí is? Uh, 50 is going to be 50 uh, to recruit more people. What do you think? If he didn't go up to 70. <laughs> Why, would, would, you, would you I, apply? You would. I, I'd join Eddie Nugent in Gordon. He could do one side of the village and I'd do the other. Eddie would love to have you on board, I'd say. He'd love it. 
All right, Johnny. He, he said before his biggest job is to find out where I am. <laughs> look anyway, after yourself, friend. Johnny. Thanks hey, very look, much. And don't forget to shout for gold on the Sunday. We need you. I, 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 no problem at all. And uh, dire warnings coming in from fans of Thurlis Sarsfields as well, uh, advising people get up the buntings, get up the flags, and all well, that. Well, friend, we have more spinning gold around Thomas McDonough there on the bridge. And all. Very good. Very good. In case people think tis Limerick, tis golden Kilfetal, friend. <laughs> good luck, Bye, Johnny. Man. Good luck. Good, good luck. luck. Good luck. Bye bye. Johnny from a very wet Fourpenny Road this morning. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Now, as Pat told you during news, a DNA match of the skeletal remains discovered at a house in Yall is expected to be known today. Officers investigating the murder of Tina Satchwell found the bones under the floor of a house in East Cork uh, on Wednesday evening. So could this finally be the end of the long-running mystery? Our reporter, Alison Highland, uh, joins me now for the latest on this. Ali, good morning to you. Morning, The Fran. news broke just before we went off air yesterday, but take us back to where the case first, first began, just to remind yeah, I know many people will be familiar with the details of the case of Tina Satchwell, a 45-year-old lady originally from Formoy but had been living in Yule with her husband Richard at the time. She disappeared in March of 2017 and her husband was the last person to see her and what he said was that that morning in March he they had a, a daily routine where he would bring up tea and toast to her every morning. He did that. Then she asked him to go to Dungarvan to do some shopping for for her, which he says he did. And then when he came back, she was gone. There was keys on the floor. There was suitcases and a number of items, personal items belonging to her missing. And there was also um, some money missing in the amount of €26,000, which they had saved from the sale of a house previously. And he reported her missing then four days later. He thought that they had a row in, in the days previous to that and he thought that she wanted to go get some space so she went to visit family in Formoy. That was his belief and his understanding. So when he got in contact with her family then and realised that she wasn't in Formoy, he then contacted police and reported her missing. That was four days after seeing her. What happened since then? Um, you know, the husband has been very vocal in interviews that he believed that she was alive and was appealing for her to contact uh, some family members. Gardhi were involved in the investigation um, after that four days almost immediately and appeals were put out and regular appeals have been put out since that time in March and April of 2017 but nothing came of it. There was one stage where suitcases were found. They were also found by her husband uh, that he believed to be hers. They were found around Yall. There was DNA testing done on those suitcases. They were found to have no connection to Tina. Um, it took a number of different directions over the years as well. There was also a search of woodland in Mitchell's Wood just outside Castle Martyr in East Cork. That was a 12-day search that took place in 2018. 60 Gardaí and various supports, resources involved in that, but nothing of significance was discovered during that. So it looked like a case that we may never find the answers to until Tuesday. 
And it all started Tuesday when a man known to Tina was arrested and questioned. He was held for 24 hours, then released. Uh, Garthi and forensics teams also undertook a vast search of the property. Also a neighbouring property and also uh, back gardens in both of those properties. Now, what's believed to have led to that search and that arrest... um, Now, there's a lot of speculation, but what we're hearing and what's being reported is that the house next door had just been sold, was undergoing some work. There was problems with the drainage at that house. Uh, Somebody was brought in to check out what was going on with the drainage. And during that inspection, something, we're not being told what, but something was found during that search that led to Gardaí being called and the scene being sealed off and a search being conducted. That then led yesterday morning to remains being found in a walled-up area just under the stairwell of the house. Um, Now, as you said, DNA testing is due to be carried out, but Garthi believe that it's not a historic uh, remains, that it is relatively recent. They believe they are female, uh, but they are undergoing DNA testing at the moment. So until that is conducted, we won't know for definite if it's Tina Satchwell, but it certainly looks like it is. Now, the man that was arrested on Tuesday and later released, he was re-arrested yesterday. Um, his period of detention is due up at about two o'clock today. So we will know then if he will be charged or released again. And the results of the DNA, Ali, when are we expecting that? That could take a number of weeks okay. uh, because they will be using DNA from family members of Tina's in Formoy and comparing those with the remains that they found. So that could take a number of weeks. All right. Ali, thanks very much indeed for that. We'll take another break. Back with more in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery's Garage. The Minister raising the entry age into the Guardian up to uh, 50, the recruitment age. Um, one of our listeners saying, just realise, Fran, the entry age now for the Guardian is 50. A lot of Guardian retire at that age. They do indeed, because if you've done your 30 years, you can retire at that uh, age. And I think then isn't 60 the mandatory uh, retirement uh, age? So you'd wonder what's going to happen with that, wouldn't you? Um, Like, if a guard comes in age 50, then you have 10 years, and what happens where pensions are concerned? You'd love to see what the details uh, around that uh, will be. Somebody telling me that there's uh, three loose horses on the road near Knocklofty Bridge outside of Clonmel there, so if you're about to go uh, in that area, will you look after yourselves and be careful? There's a prophet out there telling me that uh, the rugby game tomorrow, um, the result will be Ireland 10 points, New Zealand 30 points. So there you go. Somebody else saying fags are 17 euro fran in the machines, says Ned. And that's making reference to Johnny earlier on. We were talking about the 75 cent on the cigarettes in uh, the budget. He was saying they're gone up now to about sixteen seventy-five. but Ned makes out uh, you see, I wouldn't know. I do, thankfully I don't smoke, Ned, but seemingly they're more expensive in the machines. I didn't didn't realise that. Now we've been discussing the budget over the past uh, few days and many of our listeners were sharing their views on how it will affect them. One of our listeners, Liam was in touch and he joins me now. Liam, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. Great to talk to you, Liam. You, you think that the government, uh, that they've missed a great opportunity. In, in what way, Liam? I, I believe in, in the, the big word that we hear at the moment is environment. And sadly, the, the most of the comments are in relation to farming. But in, in, in 
in my thought is I think the government let us all down, be it urban or rural, in the sense that they didn't any, do any promotions for uh, people in urban areas. You know, the budget should have addressed things like uh, geothermal and things like that. And I'll give you a small example, and I, I won't dwell on it. But mm. uh, the environment uh, buildings in Brussels uh, were spending over a million euros on coal and oil to heat the buildings every year. So decided that if we're going to be talking about environment, we should do something ourselves. So they they drilled a hole 84 metres, well, two holes actually, 84 metres in the footpath outside. Now, the footpath outside the Bustle building is massive. You could launch an aeroplane on that. But in mm. any event, they drilled two holes on it. They're now heating the buildings uh, after spending a million euros uh, completely with geothermal. And when they were doing the project, they had hoped that in five years it would pay for itself. In the first year, Fran has paid for itself. Wow. The million euros that it cost to mm. install the units, which would be quite expensive now, but you must remember they're going down 84 metres and installing two uh, water pipes for the earth to heat the buildings, which is absolutely fantastic. We can do the very same in Ireland. We can go out in the footpath in urban in Ireland. We can go geothermal. We can go out in rural Ireland. We can do the very same. And I think the budget let us down. I think it let us down badly. But Liam, you know the story. If we attempted to to do this and if we, you know, estimated the cost to be a million, it would end up costing 12 million and we'd never make the money back on it. You know, we don't seem to be able to deal with capital projects really very well here, do we? That's true. We're we're let down big time in everything. Even the children's hospital is a classic example, and yeah. many more other things. Yeah, sure. But I I think we could bring it more local. I think people uh, encourage, like if, you know, friend, if you go to build a house in the morning, apply for the permission, and you have a chimney on it, you'll be refused straight yeah. away. Yeah. But why don't the council flip that around and say, listen, if you put in a geothermal unit, and they're not that expensive now. My neighbour has put one in here back a few years ago, and he was building his house, and ten thousand was now that is expensive. Okay, fair enough, but ten thousand like over the life of the house. Mm. like mm. It's not that expensive. You, you, you spend 10000 very quickly at the price of oil at the moment uh, over the years. Mm. So <clears throat> he put in this geothermal, he put in the horizontal units. He heats all his house and his hot water with geothermal. No fires, no nothing. It's fantastic. We could do the very, very same. And, and forgive my ignorance on this, Liam, so this is really from the ground. You're, you're, oh, absolutely. You're, you're, absolutely. You, uh, you, if you put in the horizontal one, you only need to go about six feet below the soil. Below the, the, below the below the earth uh, level, like you know, you need. Yeah. But if you if you go for the uh, vertical one, you can potentially go as far as you like. Mm. Depends on what you're trying to heat. If you're trying to heat a building like Brussels. Obviously, you have to go down deeper because you're right. going to the core of the earth. But but if you're but trying I mean, to heat a bungalow, for instance, in a, in, in oh in six, a, six, six six feet is enough. Yeah. Uh, and what it, sort it, of box would you be talking about there? Well, what you put in is a row of pipes, friend. Right. Uh, ordinary plastic pipes go around in that area. It's called a closed circuit. And the earth will heat them pipes. And all you do then is put a pump, a geothermal pump, on to, to circulate the water. Mm. And if you, if you put a solar panel on the, on the, on the house, now you have uh, mm. free uh, electricity for driving the pump. So it's yeah. absolutely a brain... Well, it's but what sort of investment would you be talking about, Liam? It depends on the house and depends on mm. what you're trying to but, heat. But, I mean, would you be it's talking about 10 grand or 40 grand? Oh, or? You, you, oh no, 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 God, you'd, be, in, you'd be, be closer to the 10 grand. 10 grand, OK. But, like, the 10 grand, the 10 grand might seem a lot, but uh, mm. my daughter was building a house there in Wicklow and the contribution charge was 12,000. Mm. But that might be better to say to her, instead of we charging you 12,000, you put the 12,000 in the geothermal. Now you have environment protected. And the money we're going to spend that we're taking off of you to improve the roads. Fran, if two mm. bicycles meet on the road my daughter lives on, one has to pull in. 
So how are they going to improve the roads with their contribution? And then she questioned yeah. Now, you know that, that they're telling us that uh, funding was announced to make homes more energy efficient. I just don't know the detail around that. I'm sure you've looked at it, though, Liam, have you? Well, well, well there's another thing, Fran. Uh, one of the best things we have in this country, a natural product called wool, we import insulation. It's a chemically produced insulation, where wool is an absolutely fantastic insulator. Mm. There's, none of, there's none of that promoted. Wool in this country is now looked upon as a dirty uh, material, which in, in fact is actually the very opposite. It's a fantastic substance. And we in Ireland produce thousands of tons of it every year. In fact, we're dumping it at the moment, which is that. But why not use wool as insulation? So in my personal mm. thought is the brains that are running this haven't got the brains. And that's where we're let down. Yeah, but you we're still have big statements. Like uh, I think I'm, I'm sure I'm paraphrasing him now. But Michael McGrath said that you know, climate crisis will impact all parts of our society. Nobody will escape. We must do something. We must sort absolutely. this. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, we must. And one of the things is, is not alone uh, to be calling on the farmers the whole time. This thing is, yeah. is, is with us all together. We must all embrace the thing and, and go for simple things like geothermal or solar panels on a on a house. And I use the word urban, and I, do, I don't mean disrespect to the urban people. I, I, I'm, I'm saying in the sense that they should be helped. That's, that's mm. the way I'm saying. The government had an opportunity to go along and say, existing houses, uh, we will help you to uh, put solar panels, etc., in the budget and be very vocal about it. Instead of that, they gave the whole time talking about what they're giving the farmers, they're giving the farmers. What they gave the farmers, friend, was something like 57 million for, for, for acres, which is basically to go along and have farmers reduce their production and we'll compensate you with an enable. That's basically it. Now, it's a bit blunt, but mm. uh, encouraging wetlands and encouraging yeah. uh, sowing trees and things like that. And and then one of the things is conservation of rare breeds. The one thing that the one rare breed they're not conserving is the farmer, of course, as you can appreciate. They'll do their very best to close him down as much as possible. But I, I believe in the environment end of it, which is very important to all of us, the budget let us down. And I mean all the people in Ireland. We had a golden opportunity to embrace this, go out on a limb and say, this is what we're going to do. Show the rest of the world. If Brussels could heat the building with an mm. investment of 100 million, of a million euros, would it all, all, already pay for itself in the first year? Is that not straight away in front of us. Why can't we that, that we could that? Learn, learn from that? But, I mean, in fairness to them, this Future Ireland fund, I'm not sure if you're across that, but, I mean, that's sort of future-proofing spending that's going to come down the line where climate change is concerned, is it not? Uh, uh, the spending is not what I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about. It's where it's spent it's where and it's how spent. it's spent. Okay, good point, yeah. Yeah. That, that this this is the thing. We okay. How many government buildings, be it county council offices, that you know are using geothermal or or environmentally friendly heating systems? I personally don't know any, I, and that I, doesn't mean I they're have not no here. idea. But I I know no. that up to this year, for example, talking about stupidity, new schools that were built didn't have solar. You know, absolutely. What is that this, about? This, 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 what I said there in, in the beginning is the brains are not there. It's the lack of brains. We should be promoting, if you're building a new house, the council say you can't put a chimney in it, which is a fireplace. Why didn't they go along and flip the hands and say, if you put in geothermal or more solar panels, not four, put in 10 solar panels. You, you know, instead of giving them 12,000 or whatever it is, in Clanmel it's probably between five and 6,000. I think about it, in Tipperary it's mm. between five and 6,000. As a contribution to the council to do what? To furline their pockets and go waste the money putting up statues that God Almighty were five and six hundred years old. 
we're wasteful of yeah. money. What, not, what, what do you say to James and Nguyen who says geothermal heating lasts 15 to 20 years, heat pumps last 10 years, both have massive costs to replace? What about that, Liam? You see, the, the, the problem with that is if you give people information and false information or inaccurate information, coming from the EU themselves, and, and if they're wrong, they're saying that it'll last potentially up to 50 years and the pumps alone last up to 25 years. Well, I, now, have I to happen be to know track. the if James in question here, and he's. he's yeah, J- James and in question free. here, uh, Liam, would, would know his stuff because I know he's a plumber, so he, he would know his stuff. Yeah. No, 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 I'm not saying yeah. he just know his stuff. Yeah. All I'm saying is if you give out information, Okay, a phone twenty years ago is a different phone than it is today. Yeah. Electronics and 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 cleverness is going way ahead every six months, not to mind every year. Yeah. The, the, the the heat pumps that were being produced will now be produced on brass rather than on copper or things like that. They will they will be efficient pumps. Mm. And if you run them off a solar panel, you, you basically have free heating in your house. And 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 uh, if the EU are saying that the pumps last for twenty five years, but the geothermal system itself will last for fifty years. God, Frank, in 50 years' time, I won't mind. I really won't. Seriously. <laughs> me, me, I, I know a young lad like you and I would talk to the Gardaí. You might be concerned, <laughs> but I have to be honest with you. I, I won't be worried. And I, I tell you the truth, if I put in an oil central heating system, I'd be changed that in less than 25 years. Mm. Why isn't there joined up thinking on this, though, Liam? Have you got your head around that? Because it's, uh, it's, it's not just it's what you're sad. talking to me about. It's so many other things as well. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad. We have people in power that don't have brains. I mean, there's, you had yeah, a lady well, I on don't there. Know about that now. There, no, 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 no. I'll give you an example. You had a lady on, and 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 Johnny Johnny Luby related to her. Hmm. God, you could listen to that girl all day. Fra- Francis O'Hanlon, yeah, yeah. Oh, you could yeah. listen to her all day. Yeah. Why isn't people like that, you know, giving us direction? All we need is leadership, Frank. Yeah. All we need is leadership, and I I believe it's poor leadership we have at the moment. We need. We need people to sit down with clever brains rather than ways of how to take money out of people. Because, as Johnny Luby says, they give you money in one hand, but they're taking back twice as much. They really are. I mean, the budget basically yeah. is take money off of people. It's, and it's, it's sad because yeah. we, could, we could, for a small country, be clever. Yeah. Like, we were clever in relation to what the world looked upon as uh, smoking in public places. Mm. We were clever in that. Well, that we was Michael Martin, in fairness, you know. Well, that was the people around me, Hall Martin. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, come okay. on now, come okay. on now. Okay. That's the people around me, Hall Martin. If Leo Vrat yes. comes out with a statement, somebody has told him to say the statement. You know what I mean? It's a bit like I'm always giving out about Chagas. Well, even this week on the Farmers Journal on page 14, you heard uh, Dr. Trevor Donnellan mm. giving out about uh, anaerobic digesters are yes. not a game changer. That's wrong. He has it actually the wrong way around. He should be promoting that. I, I have serious worries about joggers, even though I work with joggers. I have mm. serious worries about what... As far as education for the kids, brilliant. As far as research, uh, I don't mm. know. But, like, as far well, as well, ad- advice, advice over the years from them, have, questionable, I think, might be... Might be Good the man. Use. Yeah, Good man. For a non-farmer, that is a brilliant yeah. statement. And you couldn't have put it any better. The advice they have been given us for the last 25, 30 years has to be questionable. And I question that. We're spending millions and millions every year in Chagas and things like that. And I question some of the things that they're telling us. And and, and coincidentally today, you have a, a friend there on the lot with you, Martin, and he's always concerned about is it um, uh, that uh, glyphosate. Yes, that's actually yes. that's actually being discussed today in Europe. Is it indeed? Will, right. Yeah, yeah. And the decision mm. will be today. Now, what's my feeling on that? I believe Martin is right. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a poor farmer. I actually believe Martin is right. Well, the Germans we, we, do as well, yeah. 
Yeah, I, yeah. I believe chocolate, for a classical example, never pro- promoted rotational grazing or rotational use of land. We, we can't sow beet because it's not profitable. The cereal farmers are dying. And, and, and what we have, parts of the country we have, we have grass that's 50 years old. That's wrong, friend. We're putting out bag fertiliser to try and feed animals on grass that's no good. We have to start, first of all, with the style, get the style right. Then we have to have the perfect grass. And that grass is not just, say, ryegrass. That has to be herbs and things like that. It has to be oh, a right. proper mixture. Liam, but I must... we don't have... I must leave it there. I beg your pardon, Liam. I must leave it there. But it's always excellent to to, to converse with you and to hear you. Thank you so much for your time lovely, this morning, lovely Liam. Friend. Thank okay, you. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning, good morning, morning. to you. Bye bye. Good morning, So that's Liam. News and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry with Slattery's Garage. Puck on. You can't beat experience. With over fifty years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. Oh six seven two four one 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 or slatterysgarage.ie. Now, welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double zero seven. That's our free phone number. We have that lovely prize for you: one hundred euro voucher for the Mister. Mr. Clearance Sale that kicked off at Kilcorn Lodge Hotel uh, yesterday is running right through until Sunday. All sorts of bargains there, I'm assured. Suits, uh, blazers, jackets, coats, jeans, knitwear, t-shirts, polo shirts, all sorts of stuff there. All right. So, as I say, running right through until Sunday, €100 Euro, uh, voucher to give away. And that's based on your interaction with us by text and WhatsApp 83 Put Mr. Mr. at the end of your contribution and we will pop you in the draw. Now, family farms are being put at risk by drugs debts. Uh, racked up by young farmers. An Irish country living investigation has found people in rural areas are buying cocaine on social media, leading to an increase in young farmers seeking help with their addiction. Drugs counsellors saying it's those aged 18 to 30 who are most uh, affected even. I'm glad to be joined now by Sarah Cassidy, Ash Iree, Rehabilitation Clinic's Head of Clinical Services. And indeed it was Sarah that has informed much of the piece in the Farmer's Journal. Good morning to you, Sarah. Good morning, Fran, and thanks for having me on. And lovely to talk to you again, Sarah. This really um, is is getting a huge amount of attention, this, this piece, because I suppose... For some reason or other, we don't associate drug taking with with the farming community, Sarah. Well, that, that's exactly it. And the concern is the isolation um, for these families and often their concern around not bringing the issue to light uh, for concern around people thinking badly of their son or daughter. You know, so they're, they're resistant or less likely to come forward looking for services um, until it really is at a major crisis point, being either very large debt or, God forbid, you know, the young person has potentially done something to harm themselves in some way. And we've seen this critical stage. Um, people have come to us, farming community have come to us around this. Um, and it's it's just horrendous for the families and for the individuals. And is it a case, uh, Sarah, that dealers are seeing the farming community as a sort of an ATM that, you know, they, they, they can be, well, funds can be got from them, whether they need to sell animals or whether they'd have cash or whatever? Absolutely. You know, that seems to be the draw for sure. The dealers would definitely see them as a source of income um, that it can be sought. And then obviously the intimidation on a property, you know, somebody's farm, 
and their animals and their machinery, you know, the risk of, of threat against them or windows being broken or any threat to the property is terrifying for people. So they tend then to pay the debt because the alternative is, is too much for the family. And do you, have you found that the families weigh in in this case and maybe, maybe collectively try and pay off these people? Is that is that what's happening? I think the families will do whatever they can, they feel, to keep their, their property and their family safe. Um, and it's such a difficult situation. Even the Gardaí find it terribly difficult to advise these families on what exactly is the best thing to do. Um, but again, their priority is safety, and, and, and so they tend to pay the debts. Um, the unfortunate thing is when people resist the debts, then often these criminals will increase the debt exponentially. So where something might be 10000 all of a sudden it's 15000 So it's very scary for people. What about accessing um, these drugs? What, where does social media come into this? Well, see, this is the big change, though, Fran, that we've seen. Um, historically, people would have needed to go to the large cities and take the train up to the cities and whatever else to get these drugs. But now there's such a network and it's being um, facilitated on social platforms. So that's how it's reaching the rural areas so easily because a message will be put onto a Snapchat site and code words, etc. And drugs can be delivered with a web of delivery, you know, right down to the rural laneways. And that's what's causing the massive difficulty because as soon as there's increased accessibility, there's increased addiction or the likelihood of addiction. So it's, it's just terrible, really, what's happening. And do you see that movement, Sarah, from cannabis use, for example, and then sort of escalating to cocaine? Is, is that very real? Yeah, it is very real. Like what we have found with our recent admissions from the farming community is that they have been on average age 24, 26, but they hadn't been in any trouble up until 18 of any description, you know, gone through school, etc., and all was well and the family were happy. Um, and then an introduction to cannabis oftentimes along with the alcohol around age 18 seemed to be the beginning of opening the door of drug use and the cocaine soon followed. And a difficulty or problems develops very quickly with cocaine, which is it escalates very quickly. It tends to um, not give the same effect the second or third mm. or yes. millionth time around, you know. So the, the, the urge to seek more all the time is very high with cocaine. You mentioned alcohol in passing there. The, the combination of the two then, the result of that? Yeah, is yeah that's a real worry for us though, Fran, because um, research would show that the chemical reaction between alcohol and cocaine for some individuals, certainly um, in the male population, oftentimes can cause quite um, exaggerated levels of aggression or sexuality and where people are doing things that they would never have done in the past. They wouldn't have dreamt of doing. Um, but under the influence of both chemicals, and can do things that they desperately regret. Yeah, I would imagine that's terrifying. I mean, if you're at home, you have a young lad there, all of a sudden his personality begins to change, he's aggressive, you know, maybe the yeah. mother and father are frightened of him in some way as well. Um, and, and, and maybe the mother and father, maybe they're not attributing this to drug use and they're confused. Yeah, yeah. And exactly, because, I mean, you wouldn't dream now that you know, your young son or daughter is a farmer and they've been working away very, very consistently for a number of years. And then all of a sudden you're seeing that 
oh, you know, they're not doing their duties like they normally would or they're erratic with the machinery or livestock have gone missing or money has gone missing. It really confuses people initially because they don't dream that it would be cocaine or drug use. Um, they see maybe their son going for a pint down the local or things like that and see it as very normal, but then realise that something very different is happening, probably when the mental health um, piece can kick in um, and somebody has become very low or very anxious. Um, and we've even got to the point of suicidality and suicide attempts. We had one poor mum who had just had a bad feeling and had gone out to the, the barn and had taken her son down off a rope. Oh you know, I mean, the horrific stuff. You just wouldn't dream it to be happening um, locally or anywhere, you know, in our rural society. It's just so, so scary, very scary. I know that you really would like the farming community to become aware of how they can get supported where, where, where this is a concern. But what happens, Sarah? I mean, is it intervention by the family that would have somebody end up uh, at Ashiree and knocking on your door? Well, definitely, I think... Um, Within the farming community, often is because of the lack of talking about it. It is it is as a result of a crisis mm. that we're seeing the family and the family ring in desperation. What I'd love to see is people seeking help or advice at a much earlier stage if they're in any way confused about their loved one's behaviour or change in behaviour. You know, just to ring and just get uh, speak with the counsellor and just get the information initially or some advice or guidance, that would be great rather than it getting to a crisis stage. Mm. If, if a young person is in getting treatment, I mean, it could well be the case though that their drug debts are still uh, an issue, Sarah, and I'd be concerned that that might uh, impede the success of their treatment. Is that is that something that concerns you? It's a catch-22 too though, Fran, because you know, addiction is a very vicious illness and if all the consequences are erased as well, um, sometimes the likelihood of getting well sometimes is reduced. So it's a catch-22. You want to clear the debt so that that's not hanging over mm -hmm. a young person and they're not tempted to go back or deal or move drugs or do anything like that to pay a debt. But we also need the young person or to take responsibility for what's happened. So there's a balancing act, but invariably families to remove themselves from threat certainly do pay the debt. But we just advise that there be responsibilities that follow that, whether the, it's worked back or, you know what I mean, over time it's paid back to the family is important. You you made a, 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 you're certainly quoted as making a very big statement in the peace area where you say that addiction is destroying this country. That's, that's, that's a big sentence. Well, uh, I really feel that though, Fran, because yeah. you know we're speaking about the the horrors of road traffic accidents and um, the horror of COVID that we all lived through. Um, but to me, addiction is causing untold damage across the country, and it's not being necessarily recognised as, as bad as it is. You know. And why why do you think that is in your in your experience, Sarah? Why isn't it being recognised for the monstrosities that it is? I think there's still just that that um, stereotype around addiction and people looking down on people that may be struggling with addiction. That's still very real in Ireland and that's what we need to combat so that it's seen as a health issue. It is an illness that people have that develops over time and people need help. But it's the stereotypes I feel that are preventing people from really speaking about it in a very honest way. And I'm conscious there's 
could well be people listening to us this morning that might find themselves in this uh, situation, whether it's with a son or a daughter, whatever. Can they get advice from Ash Irie to begin with? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, Frank. It's literally just a case of ringing our phone number 0527441166 and asking for advice, guidance, and we can put them in touch with any uh, any of our counsellors and they'd be happy to help. Because we do have a preventative piece in our strategy that is desperately wants to help people before it becomes a crisis. All right, Sarah, always good to talk to you and thank you for your time this morning. Thank you. Thanks so much, Van. Take care. Bye-bye, Janan. Sarah Cassidy there, Ashari Rehabilitation Clinic's Head of Clinical Services. And it's a piece in the, a piece in the supplement of the Farmer's Journal this week and it is well, well worth um, a read. Really well worth uh, a read. Rather scary, but well worth having a look at. We'll take a break back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie RTE was before the Public Accounts Committee, PAC, yesterday being questioned by TDs on spending by the National Broadcaster. The Doyle's Public Spending Watchdog continued its examination of uh, RTE's finances in the wake of the huge controversy over secret payments to the former Late Late Show host Ryan Tuberty and separate uh, corporate hospitality spending as well. Now, RTE's Director General uh, Kevin Backhurst appeared at the committee along with uh, Catherine Licken, who is the uh, Secretary General of the Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts, Gaeltacht, Sport and uh, the Media. Temporary Labour TD Alan Kelly is a member of PAC and questioned Mr uh, Backhurst. Here's a little of what he had to say yesterday. Second thing you said is you'd like to see our legal advice. This isn't a two-way relationship. It's a two-way relationship in relation to being courteous, in relation to how we uh, respect one another and support one another. It is not a two-way relationship as regards you get to see our legal advice. Because you don't. Because this is the Oireachtas. We're the people elected. We're the people who have to vote on whether we give you money. The taxpayers are watching this. So you don't get to see our legal advice. You should withdraw that. Right? This is a pivotal moment for you. There's a moral issue here. Right? My colleagues have articulated better than I can. But I'm telling you this. If it ends up in a scenario whereby this goes through, where we have to compel this, it could end up legal, it could end up in the courts, your position won't be tenable. Jeffrey Alan Kelly joins us now. Alan, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. That was a very testy exchange indeed. My understanding is that you hadn't intended going down that road, but it was based on what you heard. Well, I felt that Mr. Backhurst yesterday was a very different Mr. Backhurst. Um, it was almost like uh, RT felt it was time to move on and uh, the show was over and, you know, his attitude in the initial interactions with the chair where we are looking for a note which was a uh, note of the agreement in relation to Ryan Tuberty from May 2020. Um, and that note has never been provided for some unbelievable reason. They won't provide it. There's no reason. Uh, they said initially it was because of um, you know, legal privilege. Mm. Um, actually, they reguiled from that then and said it was because um, you know a, a member of their legal department was present. Um, they can waive all of that. Um, ironically enough, Ryan Tuberty and Noel Kelly actually said they have no problem with it being published. So 
if they have no problem with it being published, why have you got a problem? You may not actually say much, uh, but the point is, we don't know, and we need to find out to put the final pieces into the jigsaw. And my, I really came into that meeting yesterday, hoping we could just close things off, because I do believe eventually we have to move on. The reason the meeting was scheduled was to clear up particularly the issues relating to pen, or people being uh, paid off as regards their pensions, as regards early retirement, as regards voluntary redundancy schemes. And we want to know why some people got the schemes where uh, basically it was only there if your post was not going to be refilled. Yes. But we do know in a number of cases this wasn't the case. So was there a cosy relationship whereby some people were treated differently to others, uh, particularly those on higher executive level? Uh, and other issues like that is what we really need to close off yesterday. But at the initial uh, part of the meeting, he said when we when the chair basically said, look, we will compel and get, we, have, we will look to get this document, which we will, um, he said, we'll stand ready for that which I thought was very confrontational. And, and then he said, well, should we want to see your legal advice. And that's the reason I re- responded, because that, that's totally inappropriate. Like, the, the Oireachtas is, is it, it, we're there to question RTE, to get answered on behalf of the public. It's not a case of where, you know, you show yours and we'll show you mine. That's not the way it works. He, did, he looked very shocked. He certainly didn't expect that confrontation. Well, I didn't expect the way he actually spoke at the beginning because I'm going to be straight about it. I must have said it three or four times yesterday. I think he's doing actually quite a good job. Um, but can you imagine, and the people listening to you, can you imagine the following scenario? So we look for this document. They rock this back to us and they say no. And then basically it ends up in the high court where the taxpayers in from both sides of an argument. And then eventually the document will be provided. I don't think if he ends up in that scenario, it'll mean that RT hasn't moved on. And as I said yesterday, I, I don't I don't want him to end up in that scenario because I think he's doing quite a good job. But if he does, I mean, that's not a position that he can stand over. So what wasn't shown across the media yesterday a, a lot, but it was by a few, was that in the second my second intervention, I actually offered him uh, a couple of solutions, to a compromise. Firstly, by the way, Mr. Backer said he's never read the note, which I found unbelievable, but fair enough. He said he would read it after I asked him to. And secondly, I said, look, there's precedent here whereby we can have a closed session, a private session, where the note is brought in, nobody copies it, we can see it, and then hullabaloo is over. Or he can provide the note to the minister and the department, and they can engage with us in a way that they want to. So there's ways of dealing with this. Yeah, And Um, and just for listeners, the note... In terms, I mean, obviously you haven't seen it, but in terms of its content, it's it's around that decision by D Forbes, isn't it? And, and her well, you see, D Forbes has never turned up at the committee, and she's not going to. But it looks at it. So effectively, we have to put this jigsaw together without the yes. main player. And um, this note was basically the agreement in relation to the Ryan Tuberty payments, and we need to see that just to close it off. Uh, we have versions of what people said is in the note, but we've never actually seen the note. Um, so that's really, really one of the key issues. The, the, the headline, of course, from yesterday is Kevin Backer saying that without a bailout, Alan, of tens of millions of euro by next spring, RTE will be insolvent. And you know something? Uh, that's the reason why he needs to build confidence. I mean, if he's going to you know, go down the road of protecting this at all costs, he needs to think very carefully. And it was articulated better by some of the other deputies than me because I didn't have enough time. But Basically, are you really going to die in a ditch over this small thing when you really need the public behind?
behind you to start paying the TV licenses and ensure that it doesn't become insolvent. The equation is fairly, you know, you know, it's fairly high on the end of just do the right thing and basically show that RTE has changed, show there's nothing to hide, and build confidence and ensure that people will back RTE and that the taxpayer will back RTE and the government will back RTE and the Iraqis will back RTE. Um, because, you know, they need that money, and if they don't, they will be insolvent. And another issue which is um, coming down the track, which didn't get as much highlighted as, as it could, I, I raised it and others did, there's a whole issue of bogus self-employment that's gone on mm. 40 years. Yes, where loads the contracts people, there, yeah. Where loads of people should have been directly employed in the yeah. wrong context. They missed out on social welfare, they missed out on pensions, they missed out on salaries, increments, a whole range of different things. And in that 65 million, or, sorry, in all of this, they have put provision for 20 million um, uh, for this, uh, this amount of, of people who have uh, a claim. I can tell you, I said it yesterday, that won't come within a mile of the cost of this. This cost won't, uh, God knows, 40, 50, 60, and even higher million, because it goes back so long, and there's so many people involved. And also, I was a bit shocked uh, to uh, read as well that the investigations ongoing into RT, that's costing quarter of a million euro a month. I know. I was shocked at that too. I had no idea that it was that high. I mean, every large um, consultancy firm in Ireland must be you know, having a, a great um, payday on, on their back, this has to end. Like, we have to get to a point where everything is everything changes in RTE in relation to how they spend taxpayers' money, in, how, in relation to how they employ people, in relation to how decisions are made as regards, uh, uh, you know, future programming, as regards, um, mm. you know, what is the core responsibility of the organisation, how public service broadcasting into the future is going to be conducted. All of that, we need to get to a point where yes. we can move on. And will you forgive me for being a little bit parochial when I say to you that, you know, with all of the recent revelations from RT, it seems certain that they will be provided with substantial public funding throughout the hearings. The committee have noted the extensive public service provided by other broadcasters as well. And I'm just wondering, Alan, I mean, if funds are available, why aren't they made available to those broadcasters who provide valuable public services, a good well, corporate governance and live within their means? And I'm thinking of the likes of, of Tip FM. Well, I've been saying this for years. I believe that within the pot of money following the review of media, which was done um, over the last number of years, that there should be a, a percentage of that pot uh, given out uh, to other uh, organisations because Take, for instance, uh, John Covid, public service broadcasting that is best um, by many different organisations. Uh, take yourselves, um, this show, the news, the obituaries, the sports coverage. I mean, what a fantastic public service. Obviously, you have to be commercial, you have to wash your own face. Uh, but given the fact that people now uh, bring in, take in their news and take in their information, take in what they need socially from the likes of yourselves, at a higher percentage than before, certainly, I feel it's unfair and there should be a certain percentage given over to different organisations, the likes of yourselves as well. Where is the next move where RT is concerned, and particularly where PAC is concerned? What's next? Well, well, I suppose the, there is a report being done by, by McCann's in relation to uh, the voluntary redundancies whereby people uh, got def- different packages. That was meant to be why we, one of the main reasons why we were back yesterday, because we waited for that. We didn't deliberately just go in straight after the summer recess, uh, but that was delayed by four weeks. But we had the meeting scheduled, so we had to go ahead. Um, so now, I guess, in another four or five weeks, 
we'll be back dealing with that issue, finding out, lifting the cover on that. And by then, hopefully, this issue relating to this note, uh, the issues into why uh, certain uh, jobs, high-level jobs in RT, hadn't, were never advertised, uh, an update in relation to issues on bogus uh, self-employment, uh, an update in relation to a whole range of issues whereby there was information that still hasn't been provided, um, all of that. And hopefully by then we can put this to bed um, because certainly uh, when I say put it to bed, put it to bed in a way that we can monitor and manage it, look at it if we need to in the future. Um, but I don't I don't think, uh, you know, Kevin Barkers needs to realise that the idea of him coming in and out of committees continuously for the next number of months while trying to have a reform programme in RT, he'd be better to show us that he is doing the reform, that it's done publicly, it's very open and transparent, and then every now and then we'll bring him in to, to talk to them about that. Uh, so he just needs to you know, thump up with all the information required, uh, and then we can move on. But unfortunately, I saw a different RT yesterday. I saw a return to a certain level of smugness. I saw a return of uh, a, a way in which they weren't providing the information in a transparent way. Uh, a little bit of hostility, and that's the reason why I had to uh, say what I said to him. I didn't go in with the intention of it. It was just his behaviour and the manner in which he spoke to the chair initially. And then after that, um, we couldn't really get the information fully what we wanted. Um, I have to say, just on you know, on you know, mm. as regards to the committee, I thought the committee performed fantastically yesterday. We're across a whole range of different uh, political parties. We worked together. Uh, we took up one another's issues. And, you know, it's an example whereby a committee can really uh, get at the information for the public. So I have to compliment my colleagues across all political spectrums and none for their contribution, Justin. Can I ask you about the party before I let you go, um, Alan? Because it looks like now um, uh, Brendan Howland, former leader, of course, and indeed uh, Sean Sherlock, uh, will not be contesting the next uh, election. Um, it doesn't make life any easier, I suppose, for the party going forward. But, by the way, were you shocked with the decision from Brendan Howland and Sean Sherlock? Um, well, no, Brendan Howland has informed us a long time ago. Um, uh, George Lawler is a councillor who's worked with Brendan yes. for decades. And George ran the by-election a couple of years ago and got over 20%. Um, so we're very confident that George will win that seat. Um, he's an excellent councillor. It was always the succession plan of Brendan, and he had told us, so that wasn't a surprise at all. It wasn't a surprise to anyone in politics. I mean, Brendan Howland couldn't do any more than mm. he's politics. Um, in relation to Sean Sherlock, uh, that's a different situation. You know, to be fair to Sean, uh, the boundary review, actually, yeah. uh, it, it just uh, it just buried the man. It buried his career. It, it was, you know, it was. Uh, it's so strange that they took a, a review to to make a constituency to go from the River Lee all the way out past Mallow. I mean, in a in a kind of a direct line. For your listeners, it would be the equivalent of the following happening to me. It would be the equivalent of basically the Limerick constituency coming out and taking. Uh, Ballina, Porto, Borges, Killinangan, uh, Kilroan, Silvermines, um, uh, Ballina Hinch, Killiscully, Newport, um, Bird Hill, all of that, and putting it into one constituency and leaving me with Nina. He was left with Mallow, but everywhere outside of that, all around him in the circle, was taken, almost. It, 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 it's just when I spoke to him the morning it happened, and I, you know, I just, it, it was like his whole base is gone. And um, I suppose that made the decision for him. So two totally different scenarios, friend. One we expected, the other was mm. driven by what happened in the constituency review. But I'd like to take this opportunity to wish, uh, wish both of them the best in whatever they do uh, into the future. They've certainly both uh, made, their, made their contribution. I think Ben Holland was elected eight or nine times. 
and Sean Sherlock never lost an election. So uh, yeah, no, all of the the pieces I've read on it, of course, uh, inevitably it ends up with speculation. But Alan Kelly then, and uh, his uh, intention, and uh, my intentions haven't changed, friend. As I told you before, it's my intention to run in the next general election. Mm-hmm. Um, I read all of this. I hear all of this. Mm-hmm. I all the phone calls, text messages every, all the time. But you know what, friend? If mm. that changes or if anything changes, you'll you, be one you, of the first. Yeah. You'll be one of the first, <laughs> if not the first, to be told. Yeah, well, I suppose, in fairness, uh, Newport coming back into the area, to the constituency, I mean, that must sort of inform your decision yeah, in I a mean, positive I, fashion, I, does I, it? I fought, I, myself and my, my council, our councillor Fiona Banks fought for that, uh, bring Newport or Hill, Ballinahinch, and a few other smaller townlands mm. in, back in because. Like it was crazy. Fiona couldn't even vote for me um, the last time around. Uh, it's a huge area. I think you know some people who were analysing that on your show said it would be it would be very good for me. Mm. It is good for me. I my family, a lot of my family come from that area. I just take a second um, to acknowledge the passing of Fiona's uh, aunt last night, um, Mary Cantillon, so my father's first cousin. I'm so sorry, I just want that. to yeah. acknowledge that and wish the family the best. But yeah, that whole area is um, is is an area that I have deep roots in, and uh, it's an area that I, I enjoy representing. And, and to be honest with you, Frank, I mean, because even though it was in the Limerick constituency with Fiona up there, we just represented it. We did the same up for it, even if I was the TD. So we were happy, delighted that it came back. And I know the people up there are delighted as well. And obviously, we, we asked for it to be put back in my submission and we did a petition. So I'm delighted that happened. Apologies, I didn't give you a heads up on this, but did you read Tony Holohan's book? No. No. You, you, and I won't. You won't read it, no? No. Yeah. And what, what you've heard about it from Ken, Ken O'Carroll and the likes, are you, are you disappointed? Yeah, I am. I, yeah. I, I mean, we're coming up not far away to Vicky's anniversary, yeah. Vicky Fields' anniversary, just for your, 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 your audience, so they know who we're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had many conversations with Vicky in relation to uh, Tony. I mean, Tony made his contribution, particularly uh, at different times in his career. He made uh, contributions uh, that were welcome, but at other times I would have disagreed with him, and I certainly felt that you know, there could have been a lot more said in relation to what happened uh, at that time in relation to, to Vicky. But, you know, as we move on in life, um, I wish him the best, wish him the best in his new relationship and his new role. But certainly it's not a book that I'd be reading. And I read a lot of books. <laughs> I read three or four books a month. And uh, no, it's not a... I will be reading Maria Cattle's book. Uh, I think we should have her on our show sometime. Mm. Um, yeah. uh, I have I started it. I was at her book launch. Um, I was the person who asked her to become a senator when I was deputy leader of the Labour Party. Um, so it's uh, it's a fantastic read. I've I've started it, and um, you know uh, I there you know there's a, there's a lot of good books out there at the moment. So I, it'll keep me busy. All right, Alan. Thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. Uh, just one thing. Yes, um, of course. I yeah. just wanted to acknowledge Peter Ryan. Uh, oh, wasn't it fantastic? It's, it's Peter is a friend of mine. He's yeah. somebody I know. He's somebody I've admired, and. Uh, it was just an incredible achievement um, and just best luck to him and his team and, uh, you know, everyone who helped him along the way. But, you know, it's the mark of the man. Yeah, he's an incredible human being and uh, just I, I didn't want to leave the show without uh, acknowledging no, that. We appreciate that. Thanks, Alan. Thank, Thank you. Good morning to you. Bye-bye, you know, Alan Kelly there, Labour TD for Tipperary and, of course, a member of PAC. Uh, we'll take a break. 
If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip today on 1-800-938-007. Thousands of health workers in the community and voluntary sector are due to commence an indefinite strike from October 17th. That's next Tuesday. Now, the organisations that will be impacted, including Enable Ireland, the Irish Wheelchair Association and Family Resource Centres. One Nina mother, Louise, was in touch with us about her concerns and she joins me now. Louise, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. And good to talk to you today. Will you tell me about how important, I think it's Enable Ireland um, is the service in question here, and how they help your daughter and how important they are to you, Louise. To to me, they're a a godsend. Um, Only for them, like I'd have no break or no support. They are my lifeline every day. Yeah, and tell me, tell um, me about tell me about your daughter Rihanna. What tell me about um, Rihanna is twenty three and she has she had a stroke when she was two from epilepsy and she also has autism and she she needs full time care. She it's twenty four seven care. She needs she can't be let alone at all. And what help do you get with uh, Rihanna from Enable Ireland, Louise? Well, she goes to their day service from nine in the morning up to four in the evening and they'll do, they'll do anything with her. They share her, anything I need help with, they'll do. They bring her swimming, they bring her shopping, they teach her how to cook. They're amazing with her. So with an indefinite strike then, what what does that mean to you, Louise? It means my life and Rianne's life is put on hold. And I'll be the full-time care then, with no break or no support. And that break you get during the day, I presume five five days a week, is it, Louise? Yeah, five, five days, days a, week, a week, Monday to Friday. I presume that means that you can do the other things that involve running a household. Then is that? Yeah, like I'll be able to. I can get up in the morning, have a shower, go shopping, cook a dinner, clean my house go for a walk, whatever I need to do for that day, I can do. Yes. But from Tuesday onwards, my life will be put on hold for well, five days because she, at weekends she has her, she goes to her dad, so I get my break at the weekend, but for five days then I will have her. Yes, and I know that where um, people like your daughter are concerned, you know, it's it's very important for them to have routine yeah, and, she needs her routine. And if this routine is broken then, as it probably will be next week, uh, Louise, the result of that will be what? Well, she gets meltdowns and if her routine is broken, the meltdowns increases. That means she'd trash the house, she could hit me because her routine is not happening for her and she doesn't understand then why she can't go to work. So she would. She hit, calls her day out. service work, and she can't. She can't go. So it'll be. It'll be worse for her than it will for be for me. Yes, because she sees this as many the, other parents and she family. sees this as the center of her life, as you say. She yeah, describes this is it as her work. life. This gives the center gives her so much independence and self confidence, mm. and all her friends are there. She don't see them like when she will be off. We live in St. Joseph's Park and she will, um, what she does is circle the park mm. because I can't bring her nowhere, but they can. And so 
Yes, and of course the whole social aspect of her the meeting whole her social. friends. She had all her friends. She won't see her friends. Yeah. At all. And has she any idea that this is coming up? Uh, no, she doesn't all, know. Louise she doesn't know. And yeah. like I said, it. I said it to her yesterday, and yeah, she lost it. Where when she knows if the summer holidays, Christmas holidays coming up, but she'd say it's Christmas time of summer. You go on holidays and you go back. Then she can understand it, that, but she won't understand that this is happening. But we don't know when she's going going back. Right, but it will she cause frustration her, she, and the like. Yeah, yeah. it's pure. Yeah. And she likes to be told what is happening on a daily. She don't. She doesn't like change. Like she needs to be told what's happening on a daily basis. And is Rihanna? Is she verbal? She's verbal. Yeah. Verbal. Okay. Right. It's it's incredible. And I know that you're supporting the workers, Louise. It's very, very important to point that out, isn't it? Yeah, I am supporting the workers because I see the amazing job that they do with her. And, like, I can go about my day knowing that she's in such great care with them all over there. And I have no I have no worries that about it. So I see the amazing work. Like, I am a full-time carer, but I wouldn't do their job. It's so demanding mm. and... They are such amazing people over there with with them all, not just with Rianne. And I mean, I can't explain away that difference of in pay of about ten or twenty percent between workers yeah. directly employed by the HSE doing the same job and the community and voluntary sector workers who were paid so much less. You know, it's yeah, it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. Like because I see how they they do such work, great work with them, and they they all deserve the same pay and. Yeah. And, I mean, in emergency situations, and because you don't know what you're facing down the line in terms of how your daughter will react to all of this. So no. have, have you a plan B, Louise, or anything like that? Not, no, because I didn't even know about this strike was coming up until a couple of weeks ago, and then you'd be hoping it would be resolved. And then we got the phone call yesterday to say it's more than likely going ahead from Tuesday. Right, so you and heard, you heard that yesterday. Yeah. yeah, we heard that yesterday, and it's indefinite. So, like, if you if you got a phone call, say it was only happening for a week or two weeks, you could you could plan, you could work around it, but right. you can't for indefinite. You cannot plan for indefinite. Like, I have a course on a Thursday. I don't know whether I will have to leave it or will I be able to do keep doing it. Even though it's only an hour on a Thursday morning, right. I still don't know whether I can continue it. But, but your understanding with with what you know as of yesterday is that from Tuesday on, there won't be a place There is for a place for, okay. for her. And that's indefinite. You don't know And that's indefinite. And, like, it could last a day, it could last a week, a month. We don't know. And, like, the services need to be there for the... Mm. Now, I am fighting for years already with them about respite. Mm. And now they're taking more, the only bit of support and help I had for Rianne, they're taking that away and we're left in limbo like we don't know when it's going to come back after Tuesday. What is it like, Louise, to spend all those years, 23 years, you know, looking after somebody with special needs because it becomes the centre of your life, I guess. It, yeah, it, it, it's hard, like, because you you can never plan because 
you never know when Rihanna is going to have a seizure and end up in hospital. You, your life is always put in hold because you can't do anything. You can't. I couldn't even go out and get a part-time job because you never know. Yes, you might be able what, to turn up depending on you, what. If what Rihanna gets up in the morning, has a seizure, I cannot go. You cannot go to work. You have to be there to mind her. And like it's it's tw- like it's been. Uh, you cannot ever plan, and like even for her, like you cannot bring her anywhere because you don't know what way she'll react to a different situation or a different place. And was that always the way, Louise? Right? Yeah, always. Right through her growing up. And... All through her growing up, and like she had to have routine. And if her routine has changed at all, it really upsets yeah. her and. And what was that like, Louise, when she became 18, for example? Because the services changed then and the like. Was well, up to 18, we've been written, I've been with Naval Ireland since she was a, a baby and she went to the children's service there. But once she turned 18, the lack of services for adults with special needs, there's none there. And only for Naval Ireland, and they came to Nina, set up an adult service there, like, and that was, as I said before, a godsend. But there's no, there's no respite. There's no help. You're, you're fighting with everybody to try to get a, a night away, but there's no, there's no support there. Do you know everybody who has a child with special needs? They tell me that that the moment the child arrives and the moment it's known the child has special needs, the fight begins and it really never stops. It never stops. Cause I've been fighting since she's been small for any bit of support or help. And what is that, Louise? Making phone calls? Making phone calls and phone calls and being told, like, for, for the last five years I've been told, it took up for four years that I've been told on the phone, oh, she's not there, she'll ring you back. And it only was last year that I met her about the respite. And it's constantly you have to keep fighting 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 and is that tiring does that take a toll on you it does because it takes a toll on your health and your your, like your emotional health your physical health and you and like as a parent and you're getting older you're saying what happens down the line if something happens to me like of course of course what will be there and who will be there to support your like you can't like, you have family, but they have their families. You can't say to them, well, you take her just because she's your family. Yeah. Louise, thank you for highlighting all of that for us uh, today. We'll yeah. be obviously following the story with uh, a great interest. But in the meantime, my best to you and to uh, Rianne as well. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Louise. Bye-bye now. That's uh, Louise Walsh speaking to us there. News and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.
A very welcome back to Tip Today. The winner of our 100 euro voucher for the Mr. Mr. Um, clearance sale that's happening in Kilcorn. It kicked off yesterday, as you know, running right through until Sunday. The winner is uh, Laura O'Gorman from Care. Well done to you, Laura. And uh, fair play. Now, as uh, you well know, we're with you every single morning from nine o'clock. And uh, uh, we spoke to Liam this morning for his views on uh, the budget and how it will benefit uh, various sectors of uh, society. Liam feels that not enough was done to encourage small changes, but would have huge long uh, term effects. Here's just a little of what he had to say to me uh, this morning. The big word that we hear at the moment is environment, and sadly, the, the most of the comments are in relation to farming. But in, in 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 my thoughts is, I think the government let us all down, be it urban or rural, in the sense that they didn't any, do any promotions for uh, people in urban areas. You know, the budget should have addressed things like uh, geothermal and things like that. And I'll give you a small example, and I, I won't dwell on it. But mm. uh, the environment uh, buildings in Brussels. Uh, we're spending over a million euros on coal and oil to heat the buildings every year. So decided that if we're going to be talking about environment, we should do something ourselves. So they they drilled a hole 84 metres, well, two holes actually, 84 metres in the footpath outside. Now, the footpath outside the Bustle building is massive. You could launch an aeroplane on that. But in any event, they drilled two holes on it. They're now heating the buildings uh, after spending a million euros uh, completely with geothermal. And when they were doing the project, they had hoped that in five years it would pay for itself. In the first year, Fran has paid for itself. Wow. The million euros that it cost to mm-hmm. install the units, which would be quite expensive now, but you must remember they're going down 84 metres and installing two uh, water pipes for the earth to heat the buildings, which is absolutely fantastic. We can do the very same in Ireland. We can go out to the footpath in urban in Ireland. We can go geothermal. We can go out in rural Ireland. We can do the very same. And I think the budget let us down. I think it let us down badly. And that's a very disappointing Liam that spoke to me earlier on this morning. Time now for a Friday panel. Delighted to be joined in the studio by former County Councillor David Doran is with us. Joe Leahy is with us, founder of Seesaw and a former councillor and indeed security consultant as well. And Councillor Maureen McGrath is with us as well. You're all very welcome and thank you indeed for coming in to us. Thank you, Frank. Uh, morning, Frank. No prizes for guessing what we're going to start with. <laughs> Budget 24. Um, measures totalling around 6.5 billion were announced in the Doyle this week. The squeeze middle were declared the big winners of uh, this year's budget while the government declared that everybody would benefit to some degree, I suppose. Uh, No doubt it was a pre-election budget, but uh, there's some criticism that health was neglected and people were not sufficiently protected from the cost of living crisis as well. So let's put this to the panel. Uh, Maureen, do you want to take this first of all? Uh, The the budget is something for everybody in the audience, sort of? Sort of, yeah, Fran, and good morning to all your listeners um, and thanks for having me on. Look, it was a, a, a bit of a a touch all but really maybe affect nobody substantially enough um, I suppose looking at it from my generation I'm 25 and I'm seeing um, my schoolmates my friends emigrating every day of of the week at this stage um, so they're looking at the budget and saying well what have, have the government done to keep me next year and, and there's very little for that cohort um, I thought Housing is the biggest issue for, for my generation. I thought to help, help to buy was going to be extended to second-hand homes because yes. we're not building new private housing developments. They There's, looked at that, they said, and they deemed it not, not possible. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. Like... There's, there's possible, you know, there's there's no such thing. You can you can make it happen, mm. and we need to attract and keep our young people in the in the um, 
in the country, yes. in, in, in the workforce, we are at a time of full em- of nearly full employment. And I don't think, like, the, the USC was a minimal change. All they talk about it in advance of the budget, I thought that they were going to make it much mm. more, um, or reduce it by it? a greater point, amount. Point 0.5. Point 0.5. Yeah. From 4.5 yeah. down to 4% um, of USC. So for the workers who were, you know, mm. twenty to 25,000, they're not being felt... Or, or up to 30,000, they're not getting the, the change even in the higher income tax. So I don't think there's an awful lot in it for, for my generation, mid-20s, 30s, who want to get on the housing ladder, who want to build or want to live in Ireland and are, are thinking about immigrating. Um, and, and unfortunately, mm. that's the case. And your generation are our teachers, our nurses, our doctors, yeah. so all the people we need to And keep like, here. yeah, our education budget, what is it, 700 new teachers, 1,200 new SNAs, and I, I, like, unfortunately, most of our teachers are in the Middle East, mm. you know, and we're not dealing with them. Yeah, we can say, oh, we're giving all these new posts, but they're not here to take mm. them up, you know, because the housing is but the biggest. Are you saying issue. to me housing is central to to all of these? Yeah, issues, I think it? without a doubt, because look, 25, 30 year olds, 35, there a lot of this generation are mm. still living at home with their parents, you know, trying to. They're in the, the rent trap. They're trying to get out of renting, but they can't afford. To and save do you accept, deposit. Maureen, that they are addressing it? What is it? Twenty nine thousand this year, is it? And they yeah. Do. Like, uh, a, a small, but there is small measures. And in terms of housing, like, I think our social housing stock is, is, is improving. But affordable housing, we haven't done enough of that. Like, Tipperary are, are, are starting that through the local authority. But it's not there yet. And mm. it's still a long way away, really. You mm. know, when, when there isn't a sad turn for, for that type of mm. housing. Uh, you know, da- David, what, just an overall view, first of all. What, what did you make of yeah, it? Yeah, good morning, friend. Good morning, I would welcome uh, a lot of things that was in I'm the budget. I'm just going to get you just in front of that mic, if you, if you want, yeah. David. Sorry. I, yes. I would welcome a lot of things that's in the budget, Fran. I suppose, um, you know, you'd have to acknowledge there was, I, I agree with what Maureen has said, but there was uh, investment put into education somewhat with some of the, school, the yes. college fees was addressed and yeah. uh, with the, the school books and stuff for, for, for secondary school students up to junior cert, I think that's welcome. I think uh, any budget that gives extra to our pensioners uh, and people with disabilities and carers, I think that's welcome. Uh, not enough was done, but it's welcome. Uh, nonetheless, I, I think the, the fact that workers' uh, minimum wage was addressed and you know that was brought up and it should be more of a living wage for workers, I think, you know, all that, but it was piecemeal in one way. Uh, but you'd have to welcome that. But not enough was done. You mentioned, uh, friend, health at the start, mm. and I agree with Maureen on housing. These are the big issues, and you bring it closer to home to this constituency uh, here in Tipperary and in my own area of Turles, uh, and you see the the UL hospital uh, and the devastation mm. that's down there uh, with the with, with the uh, people on, on trolleys uh, after closing our A and E in Nina. Uh, and that's contributing to that problem. And they're greatly. telling us in the last few days, as you know, David, don't come to the hospital unless the, uh, it's an absolute... Uh, yeah, isn't that a travesty in alone? Un- and, un- and un- Fran, un- I mean, this is not a today or yesterday problem. I remember, I think it was back in 2008 uh, or nine when they were talking about reconfiguration. I remember being at the marches in Nina. I remember listening to the late uh, Dr. Morris Nelligan, the imminent heart surgeon, pleading with them not to to close Nina A&E at the time. Uh, thousands marched that time. They went ahead and closed it. Fianna Fáil that time voted for it. I think Deputy Lowry as well. They never turned around after. We all make mistakes. I was in politics myself. People make mistakes. But they never acknowledged that uh, and said it was a mm. wrong decision. Uh, and that's the elephant in the room. People are dying. You hear it on your programme. Funny, funny enough, Stephen Donnelly, on this programme did 
admit that reconfiguration he, didn't he, work. Now, he, I know he changed his mind about it afterwards. He did, and he I remember did. that. Yeah. I remember that. But, but I'm, you know, not one euro has gone uh, towards addressing that, towards reopening it if it costs money, in the billions that's been spent in health. And mm. that's where you could see real difference. I mean, I back in 2008, I said, but even in January 2011, I, was, I marched along with Dr. Conor Reedy, and mm. I, I heard him speak, mm. uh, Tanya DeVito and uh, Damien O'Donoghue, all great people there in the Nina uh, action group and thousands marched at that. But I met people from Templemore, my own town of Torles and all over. Uh, and it's because Nina A&E is closed, is contributing to the problem in, in Limerick and nothing was done with that and also no extra money put in to, to extra GPs services, nothing done to service the waiting list that people mm. are experiencing. This is the real brass tax. And is anything that you've heard over the last while giving you any hope that this is being Oh, no, no, absolutely no. not. For, for, for me, if, if there's no commitment... Uh, because you know there's extra beds uh, y- coming yeah, about but, but down people are experiencing the same problem. If they're not going to address the elephant in the room uh, and throwing money at things is not enough, they're not throwing in the right direction. As far right. As and and, 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 and with housing as well, there's a big problem in, in Turles with accommodation for students. Uh, no council houses are being built. Uh, nothing in the budget has been done to address this. And just on that front, when, when a lot of the TDs that be on this programme and on others are clapping their back uh, and, and congratulating themselves on what they've done for measures that I've acknowledged at the start that they've done. But they gave themselves three pay rises during COVID alone, 5,000 ago. Mm. Those same TDs that'll be voting for the budget and, vo- and, and done nothing for yeah. health, well, and they'll tell you that's because they're linked to public yeah, but service. Took pay and, yeah. I, 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 but I'm only just saying, yeah. like, like yeah. people should 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 view it through the prism of that. All right, Joe. Just an overview, first of all, budget 2024. Yeah, I think I think it addressed a, a lot of issues. I think. Um, Anyway, I think there was some very good things in it. You know, there was a good lot done there for the carers. I think you know there wasn't done before. I think there's a lot of things that's to be acknowledged in it. But I think the 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 the, the Ireland that we're in, it's absolutely impossible to give everybody happy. You know, and that's never going to happen. You know, and I think where you have a government and then you have opposition, the nature of opposition like is to is to attack what's in place anyway, regardless. So I think there's a lot of that. I I certainly welcome. I do welcome the thing with the 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 involvement the rent with the private rental mm. I welcome that I think an awful lot of people have sold this you know they had this they bought a second house for the pension and all mm. that kind of carry on it's where and the landlords are the concerned, landlords are concerned yeah. and, and they they got out of it altogether because there wasn't a shilling in it for them and they were being you know they had, they had everybody wicked problems with houses wicked problems with tenants and all that so I think that's some mm. bit of a, a plus for it's, them it's rather small I'm not sure it'll attract people if they, if they want out they won't change their mind no, because they have to they sort of guarantee a, four years but it's a start from yeah Okay. It's a start. You have to start somewhere, mm. you know, and I think that is a start. Will it help? Maybe not, but you look to the start. You have to start somewhere. Mm. I think. I think um, that's one of the pluses. Um, and there are a lot. There are good few others. I think main, mainly. I think in the carers. I think to address the issue with the carers was good as well. You know. Mm. Yeah. So, um, but there's a lot more, you know. As you say, it's never going to be all done in one budget. One budget yes. isn't going to do it all anyway. Like, Did you, you know? see it as an election budget, by the way? I didn't really tell you the truth. I didn't. I saw it as we had. There was a lot of money in the kitty, you know, for a few reasons. We had a lot of money in the kitty, and something was going to be done about it, you know. Like we could have an election 
at any stage. You know the way the, the way the past number of last number of governments are are going. Mm, you know, mm. you know when you go back like even to the days of Tony Gregory. You know, you mm. had one individual that came about. That was one of the great changes in Ireland. You know, and from then on. You know, it's we're coalition, 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 mm. and that's all piecemeal stuff put together for to stay in power for four or five years. Like people say to you, like we'll have an election mm. when everybody wants to have an election. Mm. The downside of having an election is people are the TDs that will vote to bring down the government have to go back out and face the people, and will they be tanked for bringing down the government? Any government. Plus, you have an unusual thing this time, I think as well. And you know, you said it, Alan Kelly there earlier on. You know, you have a lot of well-known named TDs not running the next time, mm. you know, which is a big change from where we were always, you know, mm. it's, it's a big departure. But politics, you know, as David has alluded to there, it's not for everybody. Like, you know, it's a demanding job, as Maureen well knows. You know, you're at everybody's beck and call. Mm. You know, you're a magnet for abuse mm. and you need to be, um, you know, you need to be technicked to be able to take it. And you can't, you won't be able to take it every day. Nobody, not everybody wants it. But I still think, Mm. The one thing we're lacking on big time is we're firefighting too much. We should be coming out with innovative ideas as a government, as all governments should be passed in the future. We should come out with innovative ideas and addressing things before they happen. But you're right, we don't. We I mean, even the notion over the years of the centre of excellence, all fine and very well if everything else is in place mm. to set that up as the centre of excellence. You, you, but, you, but that's that's what happened. Nothing was done, you know. You're so, so right. Like, mm. And you see, you can turn, you know, you turn around there, like, and we're looking at, you know, the, the lads alluded to there, like, you know, alluding, say, to the health service, like, you know, if the health service got another fifty billion tomorrow, yeah, yeah, in its, in its yeah. current position, would it make any difference? Yeah, the only difference it would make is that it would be spent to make no other difference. Well, was there an element that Stephen Donnelly was kind of, uh, you know, was he thrown under the bus where this was concerned? Do you do you think to some degree? Um, I, yeah, I, I would, I would think so, Fran, yeah. and and I agree with what Joe said, and and just in terms of we're, we're constantly firefighting, we're not actually dealing with the issues at hand, and and I think that's the same away from the health topic, but with the one-off payments for electricity measures, we're yeah. not actually tackling yeah. the problem at hand, yeah. which is the big profits that the energy companies are making. We, we still put up the carbon tax overnight yes. yeah. on on Tuesday on Tuesday night, yeah. so like we're like. The, the ones that payments are welcome, they definitely are, but they're no longer received that they're used up mm. and not felt and required again. So we're not actually tackling a lot of those and issues. And the help around the creches that will be delayed yeah. to next September. Like, it's yeah. great, exactly, but delayed to next year. And it's mm. look, there has been, um, I, I know I started off and I'm, I'm looking at it through my generation, mm. working families um, have definitely got some wins in, in terms of the health care, uh, or sorry, the child care um, reductions, the college fees that the, the parents can claim the 750 renter te- yeah. uh, renters tax credit but only where they're in digs not for actual student accommodation which is a bit strange in itself you know and like we haven't tackled the, the lack of student accommodation we have taken down 1000 euro reduction in college fees yes but like I, I sit on the secondary school board of management and recently just had a conversation afterwards said the amount of students that have had to defer because they just could not get accommodation. They can't get transport. Um, I note that the the transport budget increased uh, half-price public transport to 24 and 25-year-olds. Mm. Like in Tipperary, you have to be able to drive to be truly mm. independent mm. as a young yeah. person. So it's no benefit. Yeah. It's no benefit. No they benefit. didn't tackle the driver test waiting lists, which are, if you want to get a test in Clomel, if you got a job in in Dublin or somewhere, Port Leash next week, you have to wait till February to sit your test, at least. 
you know yeah, they incredible. haven't tackled those problems the, what, what Joe said though I mean there's a good element of truth in it you can't do everything in any budget you know oh no for, for sure know. Fran I, I agree uh, and, and you know I did acknowledge that what the government mm, did do yeah. and, and I think that's important too but you can, like Joe said, if you spend an extra fifty billion or something in in health, in health uh, it might yeah. make a difference. But I think if you if you channel it in the right place, I'm yeah, just going back to the likes of of Nina, mm. A and E, right? You talk about all this talk about the centres of excellence, and we're all told about the centre of excellence inside in in, in Limerick, a centre of disaster is what it is. You know, and I think it's something that you can gloss over when you're talking about the budget and stuff like that, about oh well, what it means and 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 to to people and a small few euros here and a small few euros there. But when you, when you listen to people talk about uh, imminent uh, people in the health service themselves saying that that the fact that Nina A and E is closed, that people are dying, the mm. fact that the way things like I mean, if politicians mm. aren't pricking their ears on this, they, they, they'll react to nothing. But but you're right, you can't you can't do everything for you, and, and I think. Going back to your your initial question, isn't an election budget? I think it is really. They tried mm. to give every, a little bit to everyone in the audience, but they done nothing really mm. substantial. Right. But and it I was a rather muted sort of response to the whole thing. Did did yeah. it work? Uh, uh, I I don't know, Fran. I, uh, I, I I I I genuinely don't know. I think I think they're at sixes and seven, but but I think definitely their modus operandi, their intention was that it would be an election right. budget. Yes, Maureen. Yeah, and, and I agree. I think it is an election budget, but has it worked? It, so many of the measures are, are not till next year, later next year. Mm. It won't be felt yet. And like everybody does have to lose in a budget, or, or somebody has to lose. Not everybody's going to win. And I do think that maybe cynically, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and the Greens know that the my generation, the 25 to 30 year olds, have left or, or aren't Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael voters anyway, and and they that's why they are the losers. There, there wasn't an awful lot to keep them here or to well, keep them in it. Well, that's a big but, statement, mm. uh, Joe. I mean, you know, it is. Yeah, you're right there, Frank. Yeah. Um, but what I would one of the one of the things come back to David's point there about yes. the, the health board. You see, to me, the problem one of the problems that we have with the health board, and this is the, the absolute truth. We're pumping money at this health board for years, mm. with the HSE for mm. years and years, and they get an extra this and an extra that. And an extra that. So why have we all the issues? Mm. We have all the issues because the money that they're getting is being spent wrong. Uh, yeah. So the thing has to be so remodelled. Management issues. Uh, management yeah. issues. And, and we need transparency as to how the money uh, is spent. And accountability. Yeah. And yeah. accountability. And on top of that, the, what we, what never happens, it never happens in the system they in this country, is like you've said there, nobody ever says, good God, I got that wrong there, Joe. Yes. Let, let me have another look yes. at it. Let's yes. change that. Yeah. We know that never happens in this no. country. We no. never do any of these things, you know. And I'm not too sure. I think one of the one of the phenomena that has arisen, going back to Maureen saying there about younger people, younger people now we've, we've got into this thing. You you know you finish up uh, your edu- your primary education. Once you're finished that, you're going into secondary. Finish that, then you're going to college. Once you're finished college. Next step is immigration. Yes. Yeah. So many people want, like I know people in, in excellent jobs, getting excellent wages, taking a year out, we're going to Australia. So we might as well, while we're young, before we start a family. And that's part of life. It's, an, right. it's not a having It's a right passage for some people. It's a right of passage. But it's, it's also not a some people feel like they have no other choice but to do that. So there, there is a bit of both, you know, and people yeah. saying, well, gosh, and I see it myself, I see it on social media every, every night. Yeah. But, you know, but the grass the, isn't always green on the other but, side. But, but definitely at the, not. But at the same time, though, then, how is it that 
there is such a demand for jobs in this country. People can't get people to work in any... There's so many jobs out there, vacancies every day of the week in all sectors, right across but, the board. But it's, it's a different kind of immigration uh, from our day because people aren't going, uh, as Boyne said, for employment anymore. In fact, many of them have great jobs here. Yeah, they have. But they can't see a future mm-hmm. where, exactly. where, where housing is considered. Yeah, that's the big thing. And, and, and even just the on the... What Maureen alluded to, the education thing, Fran, uh, cutting the fees, which is welcome. But yeah. it, it's... It's ironic that they're cutting the fees, making it more affordable for people to go to college, but they can't go to college. It's like MIC and Turles and stuff like that. They can't because of the the accommodation issues. Yes. And people are deferring their courses and maybe they're not going back to their courses. And you know that that's yeah. a big anomaly. Uh, and many of them commuting then. Yes. Uh, yes. So and like I yes. said, the, the, the public transport, like you can you can extend it, but if it's not there to yeah, be got, course, yeah. do you know, yeah. like train services? Like I, I just when I heard that, I said, like. The government, this government, the, and, and a green element in it very strongly, have um, oversaw the cancellation of the X8 bus that went from Care to Dublin. I used it. I went to college in Dublin. I used it very often, and they reduced their times and they changed it to the 245X. And they even they so they reduced their times and and closed their final destination, which was Dublin Airport. The amount of people that use that bus service, and I just you know you're you're you. And what was the thinking behind that? Oh, sure, God only knows. Right. Like uh, you know. I, it, it's absolutely right. just, madness just to me. And just one last thing. I think it was Eurostat that came out during the week that said that Ireland um, is now the most expensive country to live in. So, yeah, they yeah. do have good jobs. But what is the return for that? What is the quality of life when you can't get housing? You're paying your taxes, but are you getting the services right. in health, in just, education? Just let, let me take a yeah. break. We'll be back with our panel in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to our Friday panel and uh, David Dorn is with us, Maureen McGrath and uh, Joe Leahy as well. Now the latest on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, 1.1 million Palestinians in Gaza should move to the enclave south within the next 24 hours as the Israeli Defence Forces has told the UN. The United Nations strongly appealing for any such order, if confirmed, to be rescinded, avoiding uh, what could transform what is already a great tragedy indeed into a complete catastrophe. Now, later, uh, the Israeli Defence Forces announced it was ordering the evacuation of all civilians of Gaza City from their homes southward, and, of course, it follows from the attack uh, on Israel by Hamas on Saturday last. Now, let's go. David, will you take this uh, first of all? I mean, uh, let's go back to last Saturday. A great great tragedy, of course. Well, and, uh, absolutely, Fran. And, uh, you know, I want to begin by mentioning, I think it was Thomas Hand's daughter, Emily, yeah. who was caught up in an air tragedy. Well, wasn't that the most heartbreaking ho- Horrible to, to, to move a stone. Uh, and Kim Dante, the 22-year-old, I think his connections and leash as well. Yeah. I think it's terrible, Fran. But, but, you know, looking at it holistically, what's happening in Palestine right now, it's not war. Uh, it's genocide. Mm. Uh, you know, Palestinians in Gaza, I mean, it's the size of, of County Loud, smaller, million, 1.5 million, I think, crushed in there. They don't have an official state army. They don't have a navy. They have no state support uh, to defend themselves, no air force. Uh, they're a civilian population confined to an open-air prison, and that's what it always has been for many, many years. Many, many children. Many, many, many children, and yeah. they're being indiscriminately bond, b- bombed and shot like fish in a barrel uh, by a heavily armed, well-trained 
military forces. And that's not by today or yesterday. This has happened. They, they've cut off their electrical power, their water supply. They've stopped medical aid going in, uh, bombing residential areas and, and hospitals. And, you know, from there, I think it's terrible. And any armed action by resistance groups like the, the, the Hamas or the Palestinian people should be looked at in that guise. That, that, that's... That's they're, they're unoccupied people treated like animals, and if it's legitimate for for Ukrainians to resist Russian invaders, the same logic should apply to Palestine. And you know, friend, there's a lot of hypocrisy around this, and it's coming out of European Union, which I'd be a big supporter. But Ursula von der Leyen said uh, when the Russian-Ukraine war started that any force that cuts off electricity and water and power is genocide. Mm. But she's, she's supporting the, the Israel and what they're doing. And that's genocide. There should be no hierarchy in the people. Do you mind if I just add, I know nobody at this table would in the least play down what happened last Saturday and the barbarity of it. And I'm sure you're the same where that is concerned. Yes, absolutely. Civilians are killed. Uh, that, 100%. And I, I, I referenced that at the start. Yes. But, but, yeah. but, but I'm, uh, Fran, uh, of course. And I think, you know, uh, any person with any... Pe- bit of decency or any modicum of humanity, no matter where their political allegiance would lie or what they feel personally, couldn't be moved by any civilian or any innocent being killed from whatever side. Mm. As I said, there's no hierarchy in that. But there's a big outcry now. That's my point in what's happening. It's terrible what has happened. Absolutely stomach churning. But the out- why is the outcry now? It's yes. happening. It's happening for years inside in Palestine, and a blind eye has been turned to it. These people are being treated like animals, and if you push people long enough, they'll break through and do something to 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 resist what's happening. They, it, I mean, children. They talk about it on the Israeli side. It's it's horrible to happen on, on any side, but this is happening for years, and there's great indignation now, uh, and happening. The bombs is raining down as well on top of the Palestinian people now, are, are being sponsored by, by the US and others. I mean, I mean in, it's in terrible fair, what's in, happened. In fairness, Joe, to Leo Varadkar on this, he did accuse Israel of breaching international law. He spoke about their engaging in collective punishment in cutting off power and, and, and water, which I think is a war crime as well, isn't it? It, it is, yeah. That's what that, that, but, but what's going on, like, you know, it's, it's totally barbaric from both sides, you know what I mean? And it's, it's, the, the, the worrying thing about this, like, I suppose, is that the momentum that it can gather very quickly in all these, you know, it is like escalation. The, you mean, escalation, yeah. like the more than you know, uh, uh, the momentum in, in the total wrong way, and it can escalate like literally overnight. And all it takes, it, all these things remind me of something that's just about at boiling point, you know, and you know, one degree more, yeah. and the next thing is gone totally out of control. But such a loss of human life, and such a loss of they have no vision, like they're only surviving on existence. They can barely, if they survive, like there's people like today at what time are we, half 11, you know. They won't be alive in 10 minutes' time. You know, it's just crazy the way it's gone. And it's so cruel and it's so barbaric right across the board. And I don't know who, the, who are we going to find as a, as a world leaders that can sit down with some of these people and say, yes. like, look, let's get a bit of common sense here and let's see, can we get... Who would they even a, see as an honest broker there? You oh, see, that is... And who do they trust? Yeah. And as well as that, do they want trust? Do they, do, do they want it to stop? Are they, are they happier carrying out this uh, yeah. barbaric acts? Is that where they get their and kicks out of it? on the security aspect, I'd love to know your view on this. I mean... You know, Israeli security and intelligence lauded for, for, for decades as being wonderful and, uh, you know, really, really 
uh, efficient and stuff. How did Hamas manage to get past that? But, but, but that'll prove like how, how wrong it is and it also proves I suppose like how false it is, not so much how wrong it is, how false the belief is that they're this, this and this, you know. They, they just aren't. They're, they haven't, they're not all powerful and they're not all they're certainly not all perfect but it's like anything like you know we had the same thing there was it two years ago like in the White House that it couldn't be breached and all these things couldn't be breached and the next thing like that there it was but I think what's going what annoys me here more than anything else I think is the the barbaric nature of what's happening like to, to children and what's happening it's a sad reflection like when a person comes out and has to say in this day and age that they're more relieved that their daughter was found dead then kidnapped. I found that that was mm. just heartbreaking. Like know. that, but and the, the the sadness about all that is, that's the truth of the reality. Because God help us, what would ha- what that that young girl have to go through for the rest of her life had she been kidnapped? Like it doesn't bear thinking about. And we, we're living in a world like that now with all these wars and all these. They're, you know they're they're happening overnight, and we think we're in, in a peaceful scenario. There's a mountain of work that needs to be done to see can we solve this. And as you say, who is the honest broker? Uh, it's impossible to find an honest broker. Maureen, what, what about your... your yeah, your look, it's, 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 it's desperate. And I agree with, um, with what Joe said there in, in finding an honest broker. And, you know, I think it was during the week in on the European Commission building, you know, the commissioner, was it that she had put the Israeli flag on? And yeah. I just think that was a bad move because there's innocent civilians on both sides here. Yeah. And as David alluded to, it's been happening yeah. an awful long time. And what happened last Saturday by Hamas was absolutely horrific barbaric um but look that does not delegitimize uh, like what has been happening in gaza and for the innocent civilians down there there too and and in fairness um to the Taoiseach i think it was on prime time yesterday mm. he he said that you know israel do have a right to d- defend did, themselves yeah. one of the very few to do world, what they're world, doing yeah but one he, of the very few leaders who, who did in fairness yeah him, and yeah. in fairness to him he did, yeah. and, and maybe it, it it hasn't happened soon enough soon enough you know because mm. this has been going on and people say oh it's far away we'll turn a blind eye to it but mm. there's innocent people and young people i think um smaller than the size of Laud, the, the youngest population mm. um young children mm. and, and what mm. is happening on both sides is just truly barbaric and look I think what's very sad about this too is that it's so divisive mm. because people say, oh, you have to, well, what side are you on? But like at the end of the day, nobody should want to have to pick a side or no government or state should pick a side yes. because there is there is devastation, loss, uh, just such a level of cruel... Uh, yeah, some of the pictures of, are... Just, it's, it's know, not, they're not worth looking like at. an apocalypse of, of some sort. And because of your experience in Washington and the like, let's turn to America for a moment and that notion that, you know, we're standing with Israel with very little nuance on this whatsoever. Yeah, and, and it only I seeks to, I suppose, reignite old issues or, or get yeah. other state. You know, um, Israel is, is, is surrounded by states and en- that are enemies, you know, and yeah. we do not want to, get to heighten this tension or heighten this war because that's what it is. And and I think the the UN um, needs to to come in and, and and I suppose find any humanitarian aid mm. that's possible. If the largely they're, they're ignoring, Where are they going to they're, go? but they're ignoring the UN and yeah, you know and, any, and, any advice. It's interesting as well, David, to think about uh, Netanyahu's government, uh, right wing government. Now they seem to have a unity government uh, happening there. He would, by his nature, probably be hawkish yeah. where this is concerned. That. That's all adding fuel to the fire, isn't it? It is, but I'm not surprised. I mean, it's the Israel people, uh, you know, the whole body politic 
uh, unifying against Palestine. I mean, that's that's no surprise to me because that's in their DNA. And Maureen talks about picking sides. Nobody should pick sides. I would pick a side in relation to the overall conflict in the whole. Uh, I would fully uh, support the Palestinian cause and the Palestinian people. They are the occupied country. And I know it's going on. People go back to 1947 when the state was created yeah. for, for, for Israel. But it's going on for, for a generation before that. There's a big historical uh, uh, issue there. But, but the end of the day is that the Palestinian people were displaced. Uh, their land was taken, supported by the League of Nations. Uh, they had they had nothing else to do only to resist. Uh, there was talks before, there was honest brokers, there was peace process that was all mm. uh, breached by Israel. They went in, took more land and used, used used more reasons to take more land and more land. And we know here in this country, uh, mm. as an occupied country, uh, in our past, you know, I mean, that, the, that, that the, people will, will, will stand well, up and I mean, fight. There, there was great hope for... Uh, Palestine in the 90s, for example, but there was a lot of corruption within, the, you know, the government there at oh, the time. Oh, and, oh know, there was for that, sure. It was damaged a lot and of I think, that. I think, but, you know. but I think, yeah. though, sorry, I think that one of the problems that we have here is that is for some reason, and we have history and all of this, like, you know, once we reach a place we'll say called, you know, peace or uh, around the table and acceptance, yes. I think then the work starts to seems to slow down or it evaporates over time. I think this goes to prove, like, you know, that the work is never finished. You know, that has to be kept on and on and on for maybe forever even. And, you know and we I mean? know that here from the and Good we, Friday Agreement. Yes. We know that here as yes. well. Yes. And this goes on and on. And I think well, we're inclined to take the foot off the gas when we get everybody around the table and we'll just say, to use the old expression, when the guns are silent. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Then we kind of say, well, that, that's a bit of peace here now. But I think it's only then the real work starts. Right. And I think it has to be kept on and on and on and on. You know, there's no point in bringing in somebody just camming it for a while mm. and then taking the foot off the gas. I think we need to keep it, you know, keep mm. it maintained. All right, uh, can we move on uh, to, I'm going to reference a gentleman you would know very well, David, um, community activist Thomas, uh, Tommy Barrett was with us, uh, speaking about the ongoing traffic congestion in Thurlistown. Now, of course, it's not just specific to Thurlist, but uh, what was interesting was that throughout the week in our conversations, people spoke about how driver behaviour has tra- changed drastically, particularly since uh, COVID. So, uh, Joe, will you kick this one off for me? Our driving attitude, how we drive, the phone use, the speed, all of these things. I mean, is it, is it, is it drastically different? Is it really disapproving all the time? That certainly is. It certainly is, Fran, and there's no doubt about it. And and I'll be honest with you, like you know, there's probably things that will be said uh, on this topic here that will hurt people out there, you know. And I don't. Uh, none of us here want to hurt anybody that's out there, you know. And if you have lost someone like in the past, in yeah. the recent past, as a result of a fatal accident, you know, you're going to be upset by this. And I would ask people if they are upset, you know, to ring the Samaritans on one one six one two three. Should they feel upset by it? But the reality of this, let's call let's call us spade a spade as I often say you know speed speed has to be a huge impact into all of these things you know if everybody like if everybody were to stay within the speed limit that is there I think we'd have a hell of a lot accident a lot less accidents now we'd probably have a lot more given out about who's driving at you know so many miles an hour out the road but I think speed is one thing and the other thing I think is huge is lack of concentration now, lack of concentration can be people talking. It can be just with the younger population. It can be a simple thing called adrenaline. It can be, you know, people blame the mobile phone, the mobile phone. It can't be all the mobile phone. And yes, there's an element of the mobile phone. Of course there is. There's an element of not doing this and that and the other. But I honestly think speed is is huge. I think speed, 
sadly to say it, but I think speed has been the cause of an awful lot of deaths. I think, I think let me just finish. Yeah. I think speed, and you know, as a result, then vehicles going out of control, and you can manage. You know, and again, we spoke about earlier on different concept. You know, I'm doing the driving test today in a town at 30 kilometres an hour, 50 kilometres an hour. Thank God I passed the test. I go away, I get my licence at 2 o'clock, I can drive out the road at 60, mm. 70. And down it, onto the motorway. And down, in a totally different scenario, can't handle speed and can't handle these things. And years ago, there was a lot of different elements. We had a lot less cars on the road. You minded it a lot more because you couldn't buy a second one. Mm. Now if you crash it, you know, you can get a second one, follow them on and off you go again. We had to save for the first one. The material in the cars were different. Now the material in a lot of these cars is no, no better than it's in, the plastic, it's in the plastic bottle. You know, that's the truth. Well, but Maureen, speed that, is a that's huge That's sort of pointing the finger at people who are horribly young like you. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> discuss, as they say in the Leaving Cert, Maureen. No, I, mean, I, I, I won't take offence, but I think it's across the board. Um, yeah. Driver behaviour is an issue, but I, I, I think the recent measures and I, I support what Joe says it's, it's a very difficult topic because especially in recent times we've had seen is, such yeah. tragedy in our roads uh, and we're all mindful of that mm. but I think um, the, the recent discussion about changing the speed limits I, I don't think that that's going to work I, I really don't mm. I think Is it just a knee-jerk reaction? I, I, think, to, to I think unfortunately it is because driver yeah. behaviour is, is the issue people aren't abiding by the speed limits as it is mm. I think slowing them down on long straight roads mm. will lead to frustrate you know, because people will will try overtake, will 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 chance more things. You're saying it could make it worse. I, I, I just think it's 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 not founded. It's not. I, I don't mm. see the evidence for it, the need for it. And the extra think, investment in the go safe vans, for example, one and a half million extra, look, so they can be out there for longer. And uh, go safe mm. vans. Where do we see them? Do you know between the fifty and sixty zones going into towns? Like we don't see them at the the trouble points. What we don't see is enough investment into our roads budget and for the local authorities for. Um, small low-cost safety measures for making roads safer with bad bends, you know, to take out a ditch, straighten up a road. We are constantly looking for that kind of money, you know, in, in the local authority. The NTA, Eamon Ryan, I think, and, and, and Mashi mentioned this in the doll yesterday now, and I can't remember exactly, I don't always listen to him <laughs> very closely, but he said that um, Eamon Ryan was warned um, that if the NTA and was didn't move on the N24 and, and those road projects that it would lead in, into fatalities and mm. we see that and you know the green agenda is halting that kind of well, progress. Well, a couple of weeks ago we got estimations of the deaths that would happen mm -hmm. if we didn't. Yeah, absolutely, and, and, and even got them a year ago. You know, so yeah. do you yeah. know it's it's <coughs> I don't think I think it's driver behaviour issue. Speed is an issue, but lowering the speed without doing nothing else to to help the the, the right. issue on the roads isn't going to. Uh, the conversation began because of Thurless, David, a place you're very familiar with. Um, yeah. What are you making in general, though? Well, I suppose it, it, take the two together. Right, the dangerous driving thing. Firstly, I'd agree with a lot of what the lads said. I think number one for me though is the phone uh, in people using the phone in cars. I think the distraction over between the phone call, the text, and now the constant and binging of the social media, it does definitely take your 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 um, concentration. I think it's the number one contributor. Uh, and if you did a survey, any of us going home today from work, uh, and you just observe people in cars, they're either distracted, they're looking down at their phone, or mm. up to their ears, or you know, I think that that is a big problem. I think to address that, you could do something in schools with the TYs, uh, start there. Uh, have a program on it, and you know, uh, uh, maybe show different videos or programs about how people are affected and how the distraction would, you know, the consequences of but it, and David, start there. Are they not aware that if you're looking at your phone? Uh, you, I, I think they are, Fran, and I wouldn't blame all the young people, but, but I think definitely an awareness should be put on it because because um, 
you know, just a second or two of your distraction, what can happen? You know, and I think it could start there. But, 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 and you know, I talk about too about controlling people's driving. I think the most effective way to slow down people, particularly in built up areas or near schools, is the flashing speed sign. Your, 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 your speed effective. comes up. Mm-hmm. Fierce effective. effective. Yeah, and I think absolutely. that could be done. But you mentioned Turles, Fran, yeah, and, and, and Tommy Barrett, a great activist there in town. But, but, uh, Turles is suffering, Fran, with the traffic congestion. Mm. Big time, mm. uh, and, and has done, for and has done for, for, for years, mm. and it's because, and no mention of it in the budget, either, the absence of the, the link road mm. or the or the the ring road or the bypass, call it what you like, and I think that's the elephant in the room. People, and and I, I, you know, I don't say this lightly, but you know, for a proud town and a, now a university town and a town where the GA was founded and supported great industries like the sugar factory and all the other great industries, we're suffering business wise because. People no doubt. are yeah. avoiding going through tourists because mm-hmm. of the congestion. And I think that's a terrible uh, vista of this government. And, you know, you talk about capital projects, but money, it's okay for a year or two to be able to give it, spread the money around. But for generations, we've been neglected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a ring road would definitely help. But, but secondary to this, and I don't say this lightly either, uh, I think, uh, um, you know, measures could be done in tourists that would help traffic flow. I think, like the Stephen Mon Road in Turles mm. and leaving that for so long, leaving the square, the rickety-rackety of the square and hiding behind the TII that the, 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 the Tiberi County Council have no... You know, they're not autonomous enough to, to do that mm. as a TII, but they're autonomous enough uh, to, to, to raise the property tax. That's a or, big thing to say now. Hide, hiding, hiding behind the TII. And friend, another thing is, yeah, absolutely. They're autonomous enough if you need to collect your, 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 don't, your parking fines or your, your, your any other fines that they're involved in, but they can leave it to the TII to leave it for... for you know, and how that sits with, with councillors uh, is beyond me. But the secondary thing as well, friend, I think it was alluded to uh, many times, you often hear me speaking about is Parnell Street in Torles. How that is being avoided by elected politicians uh, is beyond me. You mean me. the parking there? The parking. Yeah. Why do not take it? Because, Fran, I think it, it to me, this warrants something like a primetime investigate. Well, my, my understanding was that the businesses weren't. No, but, 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 uh, but Fran, why I say primetime investigates or something like that is, uh, which was often discussed here in this show, Thousands of people signed a petition. I was involved in it. Yeah. Former councillor Noel Dwyer was involved in it and Jim Ryan was involved in it. Thousands of people signed it, wanted it removed, yeah. right? Now, you, you're, you, you mentioned uh, about the businesses, right? It's in the gift of the councillors. It's, it's a reserve function of the councillors and it will cost nothing to put down a, a bit of paint and put down a yellow line. But they're refusing to do it for some reason that... I don't know, and a lot of other people don't know, and I'm not casting any aspersions at them. Okay. But who who are the answerable to? Because they should be answered to the people. And I think that's a secondary issue that could be done in the morning and has not been done, and people should be asking why it's not been all done. All right, I'm sure it'll come up time and time again. Before, I, before we all go, can I talk to you about the Garda recruitment age being raised to 50? It's part of efforts to boost, need to say, Garda numbers. Joe, um, what, are, what are you thinking about this? Yeah, I think it's long overdue, Fran. I think, uh, I think um, you know, we're talking about age in so many ways and you can't discriminate beyond the grounds of age and you can't do so many things. There was a, a guy there a couple of years ago um, he took a High Court case or a Supreme Court case there to see could they see on it another couple of years and that was refused and he was knocked. I think there's a job for everybody and you'll have people coming on and saying, you know, while well, you're a 50-year-old can't run up and down the street or down the lane after some drug deal or something. That's not the real issue. I think everybody can do a job and I think the age should be raised but uh, but I would rather see it being more 
proactive than reactive. You know, we're reacting because oh, the numbers yeah. are down. We're reacting because the numbers of recruits are down. <coughs> They're not getting paid enough. As well as that, there's too many side sided <coughs> fix like this. There's guards being out there. They've been prosecuted for doing their job. There's GSOC are busier than the guards in a lot of places. And that sort of stuff, you're investigated four or five times. We have another scenario where there's a bundle of guards there and they're all suspended for things. God help us. God help us what they're suspended for, but they're suspended anyway. And we can't go along then and um, we can't do The job isn't being done right and there's lack of mm. visibility on the streets. And I think it certainly should be raised but, to but 50 do you and it say, be done longer. Uh, do, do, would you see, for instance, a whole bunch of 50-year-olds and say, oh God, that's for me. I, I wouldn't. No, no, I certainly no. wouldn't oh, see right, it either. Okay. I wouldn't see it that way at all, Fran, yeah. but I, I, I like a lot of other things. I think that the option should be there, okay. that it'll suit some right. people, it won't suit others. And, and, and be, before I move on, just the notion that you can technically, I suppose, retire at the age of 50 if you've done your 30 years. Yes. And what, what, what is the 60 is the cutoff point, is it? Uh, as far as I know, it is, yeah. Fran. Uh, but so what, what happens with pensions? And Well, that's another thing, of course, that needs to be certainly looked yeah. at. I don't know the ins and outs of looking at that, but it's also, I think, giving other people the option. Staying on will suit one person. It certainly won't suit another person. Mm. It depends on your own I suppose, circumstances. Yeah. Maureen, you and I, and indeed with Matty as well, we would have talked about rural policing mm -hmm. a lot in, mm -hmm. in, in the past. Is, is there some glimmer of hope with, with what's happening here? Or? Look, I don't know. As Joe said, it's a firefighting measure. Like We're not addressing the issues with recruitment and retention. Like the Gardaí that are, are graduating, I think, from Templemore today, some graduating. How many will be in the force this time next year? A lot of them leave. They don't They don't stay because the, the morale is low. And and like we seen a couple of weeks ago, the minister, you know, we've we seen the vote from, from the Garda representative um, and, and their their lack of confidence in in the, the commissioner, commissioner. Yes. and the minister ten minutes later said she's full confidence yeah, and like yeah. that I think was the biggest insult to our guards who do their best to keep us safe and like going back to um, yeah rural crime and security I think our community policing units are absolutely so valuable in in our areas because do you know. Um, seeing it is, is prevention and seeing it as security and, and seeing that bit of visibility but like they're constantly being pulled in to the large towns and yeah. urban centres and that was going to happen and that is going to happen if the if the Rostershire proposals are going to stay you know if, if they're going to change force that change on our guardie um like joe said yeah why shouldn't they be allowed um get into the, the so you see 50? it you see this as a positive <coughs> In one sense, but it's only well, it's because they, over like they announced in the budget a thousand yeah. new guard numbers. They weren't where are they going to get them but, from? They have to address the issues. In, in the meantime, all of the rank and file of the guardie have no confidence in the commissioner. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. address the issues yeah. that, that that are at hand um, and paying conditions and just common morale in in our guardie and and our. our our police force who do so much to try and protect us but get little in, in, in thanks for it. Yeah, it was interesting around that time uh, where Helen McEntee was concerned, saying that, you know, she couldn't interfere like in day-to-day -day policing. So, but you'd imagine that that was chaos and that was, uh, you know, you'd imagine she should have had more input. Uh, absolutely fine. But look, firstly, I'd like to welcome it. I think it's a, it's a good move mm. uh, that that people now of 50 years of age can join. I think if people are fit enough and enthused enough, mm. energised enough, they have a wealth of ex life experience uh, and, and they should be encouraged to go down that road and I think they should follow up now with 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 addressing the concerns that the Gardaí have with, with Harris 
uh, and also it would, the TDs with legislation in the Dáil uh, to tag criminals, longer sentences, uh, and that should be addressed in tandem with this. You have more guardian in their streets and on the other side that when they apprehend criminals that they should, be, they should follow through on it. You mean, I stood in the halls uh, in Turles and where Save Our Community was born and listened to terrible stories about these criminals coming down taking uh, farms and businesses and people's houses. Yeah. You had that case in, in Dublin where these criminals crashed and they were after, were known to be breaking into houses and terrorising elderly people. And I think we had slipped as a society. I remember being, being absolutely appalled at the eulogy and the gifts we bought up of the paraphernalia crime of handcuffs and torches and t- t- tie straps for tying up people. And this was being that laugh- thumbing the nose? That it are. was. And this was being laughed and sniggered at and, and stuff like that. And then guards doing their job could end up in court. I think we had slipped as a society, friend, and we're not tough enough on criminals. And, you know, there should be zero tolerance for these criminals. They're, 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 they're a cancer there in society. Why isn't there an appetite for that? Because I would imagine ordinary people would applaud that. Uh, uh, Fred, it's beyond me. I think there's too much PC, too much liberal rubbish uh, around around the, the, the criminals. Too much about their, their, their rights. What about the rights of people who are terrorised? We set up a system in, in Rahealty. Uh, we had to be proactive uh, and got a CCTV system going in, a camera system. Now, the hoops we would have had to go through trying to get money from the department. So we went around, we, we, we went to every house. Not one house refused to contribute to it. We have a lovely little system in, people feel safer. Yeah. We had to do that on light of what was happening in our community. But then you see these criminals that do inflict crime. They come in laughing at each other, tracksuits and runners and hanging around like scangers outside courts and they smoke and then sneering at but each it, other across. You know, that, that's right. where, that's where ju- we should just, be addressing. Just about out of time, so very quickly, Maureen. And, yeah. and, and just on that, I don't disagree, but we have a, a, a revolving door court system yeah. and a legal mm. system. And like, they, they, how many times have we seen routine criminals back in front of us committing crimes in, yes. in, in the jail, out again, in again. Just, in again, just quickly, Joe. Yeah. I will. Yeah. This, this is you see where we're, where we're. All the prisons in the country are absolutely mm-hmm. full in this country, yes. and I know that for the, they're overflowing too many numbers. But one of the things that I'd like to see an assessment done on the number of guards that leave the force, young recruits that leave the force after being attested, because they, they're afraid of the criminals or because they're afraid of the job. Believe you me, it's very, very few. It's mm. the system that's all, the problem. All right. Uh, thanks very much indeed uh, to Councillor Maureen McGrath, to Joe Leahy and uh, to David Doran. Thanks Thank to you all. Excellent panel today. Thank you. That's it uh, for me. Emma produced Ali looks after our content. Stephen has the time tunnel on the way and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.